Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through.
And hello, folks. Thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the Growing Conservative Conversation and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. And tonight, as you probably have noticed, we played the opening song that we've had since 2012 in its entirety tonight. Not something I always do, uh, but that is something I believe is fitting for our topic tonight. And that is uh, helping our wounded warriors by keeping them self-sufficient. We have uh, two gentlemen uh, we'll be interviewing tonight. Uh, to go over that, and that is Jim Larson and Heath Calhoun uh, will be having on to the show uh, to talk about uh, their program, uh, which is Flip Hero, and so we'll hear more on that. And so first, uh, let's go ahead and uh, welcome Jim. Thank you very much, Jim, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, middle of the week, uh and ready ready to do a show. I know a lot of folks out there are, are talking a lot about uh, what Trump has said lately, and perhaps that's something uh, we'll discuss as well. Uh, but we'll see uh, if, if we get to that point. But, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll, we've seen a lot of that. And I believe I see Heath on uh, as well. We're going to open up the mic uh, for you too, Heath. And so what I'll do is I'll go back and forth uh, between you uh, two gentlemen and uh, get your story out and let us hear more about uh, Flip Hero. Uh, but first, though, what got you uh, started, Jim, to uh, create the organization uh, and get it started? Well, I've been in home construction and remodeling my entire life, and I've always had a heart for helping people, and I was just struggling to find a way to make a difference, and it was just a confluence of things. Um as my personal life was searching to find a way to help people and you you look at the resources you have as an individual and for me personally that was my building talents and it just is the right time and the right place uh, with the conservatorship of Fannie and Freddie and with so many people, millions of people across the country losing their homes in the meltdown of 08. Um, it just is a good time to have a practical solution, and our our program is built on the education that you gain when you actually do something in your home, and and that's our approach. Well, I know recently, of course, it wasn't I didn't do my own. To be honest, I had to get uh, contracted to do it. Uh, we had uh, a, a new roof put on uh, from hail damage, and then I uh, come home uh, yesterday, and the furnace was out. So, unfortunately, uh got to keep uh, people warm, uh, including my daughter, Snake, as well. And so we uh, had to go ahead and have a, a furnace put in pretty much ASAP uh, for that. So, and, and, you know, I, unfortunately, but I did do home remodeling, actually, uh, myself and, and landscaping for about 10 years. Uh, but 2008 pretty much uh, put that uh, out of business, uh, you know, because of that. Um, people just couldn't afford to do things uh, on their homes at that point. Um, well, that's, so, yeah, that's, we'll talk. Well, that's really the thing about 2008. It's changed. You know, everyone's lives changed on the day those planes flew into those buildings, and it just seems like that there's been this 
turn of events in 2008. It was like the culmination of so many terrible things, and it brought our economy, the world economy, almost to its knees. And it's been a long, slow slog back. And what's really beautiful is now I'm seeing people coming together because ultimately it's not a matter of reliance upon Uncle Sam. It's not reliant upon some organization to step in and do for you. If we're really going to get a handle on this thing, people have got to lock elbows and look out for each other. It's that battle buddy mentality where if you're on my left and you're on my right, I'm looking out for both of you. And that's the mentality we need as Americans to come together, lock elbows, get these empty homes, people living in them, them improving. And as people improve these homes, they're going to learn how to do things. They're going to find aptitudes for improvement. It's going to create small businesses. And we're going to come together in the way that we need to to get a handle on what is really a turning point in this country. And our homes and how we treat our homes is the foundation upon which we can build improvement and really turn things around. And I'm so grateful to have Heath on the show tonight because he represents exactly this discussion. And we can get more into that later, Robert. But thank you so much for having us on and, and having me on and, and talking about Flip Bureau. We're very grateful. Appreciate that, and I appreciate you guys coming on to the show. And so speaking of Heath, let's go ahead and use that as a good segue to uh, get uh, Heath on. Uh, thank you very much, sir, for coming to the show. Uh, how are you? And the first, uh, let me say thank you very much uh, for your service to our country. Go ahead, Heath. Yeah, thank you very much. And uh, just to echo Jim's sentiments, uh, thanks for having us on the show tonight and give us an opportunity to talk a little bit with you. Yeah, great. And so, so tell us a little about your background. Uh, you know, we've got here that uh, you were the 2014 uh, Paralympic silver medalist in Sochi, and also you're the vice president of Flip Hero. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, your background, career, and, and what brought you with, uh, you know, what brought you to Jim? Uh, well, I was I was uh, serving with the United States Army, and I was stationed over in uh, Iraq in 2003 when a rocket-propelled grenade came into the rear of the truck that I was in, and um, that that sent me kind of on a whirlwind back. Uh, through Germany to the States to uh, face this new life that I had ahead of me of uh, learning to walk on prosthetics and just, you know, figure out, you know, how to be a father and, and just how to live life as a as a disabled service member. And with that, uh, obviously, a lot of challenges came. And um, throughout mm-hmm. the years, I've been very fortunate enough to, to try to tackle those um, challenges and, and then tried to rise above those and and some things you know came to me easy and some things didn't and one of the things i found along the way was was uh rec- recreationally in the beginning was skiing and i just i fell in love with it and uh with with that i was able to get good enough and go over to uh well first vancouver where i did not medal and then on over to sochi uh where i medaled in in super combined in uh, paralympic alpine skiing um and then to to the experience with Jim, you know, I, I got in touch one evening uh, with a young lady that said, man, you know, if, if you got some wounded vets that uh, need some help, I know a great guy that, that's going around and, and trying to help uh, wounded vets with just some construction pro- uh, construction 
stuff at their home. And I said, well, you know, that's perfect for me. I I actually need some construction done myself. I've got a few things that aren't working in my home and um, didn't really know how to go about it. I mean, they talk so much on, on, you know, television. You see it online. You see it, you know, a little bit everywhere. Um, How do you go out and find somebody to help with whatever it may be, construction, working on your car? And I felt this was just something that uh, was could really be beneficial to me, a way to actually find somebody to, you know, to do help, and uh, somebody that had a heart to to help wounded veterans like myself. And that was that was something that I needed. Um, Jim came over to the house, took a look around, and um, helped me with the things that were definitely a necessity in the home. And then I think about six to eight months later, we. Uh, we came out of my basement from from doing some repairs and some uh, improvements down there. Had something uh, to really be proud of. So, yeah, that's kind of how uh, how we got involved. And back to you, Jim. Uh, tell us a little bit about what uh, you know, flip hair does, especially something that uh, we discussed, you know, off the air. And then is in how you help the you know wounded borders uh, become you know self sufficient and, and you know do things. Uh, for themselves and then with others? Well, the key is we help people with the education, the skills, and the knowledge to do things for themselves. If somebody wants an organization to just come out and do for them, that's not us. Because, you know, there's there's people that play that role and they do a beautiful job. We're trying to empower this country and show an example of how you are you empower yourself through knowledge skills and abilities every time you do something in your home you come out of that experience having learned something and that knowledge may be nothing more than the fact that good lord i'd never want to do that again that's good enough you learn that that's not something you have an aptitude for or an interest in so with he, I showed up at his door. He had some things that he needed to take care of, but he had this dream of fixing up his basement. And he says, well, Jim, how does this work? Do you show up with a crew and do you do this? And I said, well, no, actually, I don't see anything that would stop you from doing it yourself, and I'm here to help you learn how to do it. And so we had this really joyful experience of spending a very, uh, you know, several months doing his basement. We built this beautiful man cave in his basement, and throughout the process, it was wonderful for me to see he grow in knowledge and abilities and learning about tools and how they work. And I've actually got a video online at our website where he is showing his son how to attach drywall to the wall. And it's just a beautiful, you know, experience seeing the fruits of our education being passed along to the next generation. So for he and for anybody out there who really does have a sense for where they can be in six months or in a year or in five years, by looking outward down the street, across the street, in your community to homes that need repair, homes that need improvement, you know, it's really good work. And at the end of the day, you leave having done something with your hands 
And at the end of every day, you have something tangible to see for your efforts. And it was great every day seeing Heath smile when he'd see, oh, today we've got this framed wall up. You know, I've always dreamed about having a room here, but it was always just a vision of a room. In one day, we put up a wall down the middle of his basement, and now all of a sudden, where there was this open space, now all of a sudden there was two rooms, and it just gave Heath a new vision for what could be, and each day is that same progression, and that's the beautiful thing about something so tangible. It's real, Um, and, and that's really the foundation upon which we build Hero Trust because you come to trust in yourself to be able to do things. And you know yourself, Robert, how much money, you don't have to say, but you spend some money on that furnace. I know that for a fact. How wonderful Mm -hmm. would it be for people to have the knowledge, skills, and abilities to not be reliant upon the good nature of the person that they called maybe out of the yellow pages, And this person comes in and says, well, I'm sorry, you're going to need a whole new system. When did you need that whole new system? And and those are the types of things that we try to empower people with, the resources to, to have a second opinion or be empowered themselves with the knowledge to know. And speaking of the video, I, did, I wanted to ask uh, Heath on that. Is that so? You know, you know, it was a short video of you showing your son about putting up the drywall. You need to just tell us, you know, how you felt, you know, doing that with him and, and, and working with him. I think uh, it's a great experience for me. Um, you know, I told you in the beginning, I when I lost my legs, there was a lot of things that I had to learn. One of those things was was learning to walk again. But one of those things that I, I had to figure out how to do was how was I going to be a father to my son. And it's experiences like those that show me that um, I can do this. I am a father to my son, and, and these are the things that I can show him. And, and something that Jim mentioned um, that I think – is important something that I I learned. Sometimes it's just it's the fear of of the unknown. You know, can I using a a, a drill or or a hammer or a saw? It doesn't necessarily take a, a, an incredible amount of effort or uh, knowledge to learn how to work the saw. But sometimes it's just a fear of of trying something new. And well, you know, what if I make a mistake? And that's something that that I I definitely did when I was working with Jim and he was able to either, you know, laugh it off or, Hey, you know what, maybe we ruined a, a $3, uh, two by four, but you know what, we can grab another one. You've learned a lesson and you won't make that mistake again. Um, that was one of those things that I was able to, to work, to pass on to my son. And I actually saw my son, uh, who was 13 years old. I saw some uh, amazing work out of him by the time it was all said and done. And I thought that was fantastic as well. Yeah, yeah that, that's great. And I speak of 13. That's, that's how old my daughter is. Um, you know, she, she at this point, uh, I'd like for her to take more of a, an active interest in politics. She, she really doesn't have much, uh, much interest in it. I remember when I was starting the show, oh, she absolutely hated it because it took so much, uh, it took so much time away, uh, you know, beginning the show and things of that nature, uh, you know, away from the time that, you know, she'd rather be, be spending with her. Um, but, you know, we, we were covering uh, a lot of things. Uh, of course, it was the 2012 uh, election. It was a big, 
you know, the big election time. And so it definitely took a lot of my time. And I was doing the show a lot more uh, back then as well uh, than I am now. Just, you know, work life kind of took over more, uh, more so. So unfortunately at the less than the amounts, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to find something her and I can uh, work more on uh, together, but maybe it's a, a, a daughter son thing instead of son something but uh we do have uh susan on the line and so we'll uh, i'll bring some questions back uh to you jim and of course uh you Heath. but first let's go ahead and welcome susan thank you very much susan for coming to the show how are you tonight i'm fine thank you how are you good good uh happy middle of the week <laughs> <laughs> oh you're funny tonight <laughs> happy middle of the week <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, they yeah. call it hump day, but we're not in Bard's Logic after dark yet, so go ahead. Go ahead with... With whatever you're uh, going to go with. You're, you're, you're chiming in on. Oh, with whatever I'm chiming in Well, I would think it would be on his topic, but... Um, uh, yeah, I support um, helping the vets. I'm... Um, you know how I feel about the wars, the endless wars over there. I don't like them. I don't approve of them. But that doesn't mean I don't support our veterans who have come back. I believe they deserve more than a pat on the head and a shake of the hand. Uh, you know, when there's so many that are homeless on the street and different things like that, it, that's a bunch of nonsense. You want to send our boys over uh, and and some women over there to fight other people's wars, and by God, when they come back, you better be taking care of them. That that just angers me that that hasn't happened. Um, I just wrote, in fact, an article, and it doesn't have to do with our veterans, but it, it's called "For Sale: Patriotism," and it has to do with um, the fact that the NFL and other ones are taking money from the military. You see these veterans and different people trotted out there and applauded, and some mm-hmm. of them that aren't veterans that are current, and and these different teams. I, I exposed it. I, I mean, I am totally against that. Here, I thought when you get a feel good, oh well, hey, that's so cool. You know, the halftime show and they're coming out and they're singing and but putting the flag up and they're getting paid for it. Now, why is our military wasting that money? And why is the NFL taking it when we have homeless vets on the street? That is ridiculous. That money should have been donated to help them. Ridiculous. And this it pisses me off. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, I've seen that article as well. And since we're on the subject, I mean, we've got you know, plenty of time, uh, and that's kind of the organic nature of the show. We'll definitely get more on um, topic. Did you see anything on that? Yeah, did you ask me if I saw anything on that uh, as far as the donation mm-hmm. or the the right, lack with donations, the NFL I guess. things of that nature? Yeah, um, you know what? I did not actually see anything on that. I'd heard uh, a little bit, just something about the NFL working with the military, but that was about it. Working with, yeah, because of the money. Hey, my team didn't take any money or didn't get any, and they weren't listed. So yes, <laughs> the Seahawks were. Yeah, I have to I'll have to double check. I don't know whether I don't know whether mine was either. I, I mean, I I seen an article about that, uh, you know, in passing and doing some other research, uh, but I'm not. Uh, well, I thought. You know, I didn't. I didn't I stop the. I thought I posted that to, to you. I thought I posted um, that to you. 
What is that your maybe team? where I'm I sing it. Right. You know I'm all over the place. What is your team's name? Um, uh, well, I'm in Cincinnati, so. Cincinnati Bengals. Yep, they took $138,960. Really? Sorry. Yeah, well. Dallas Cowboys, Green Bay Packers, Indianapolis Colts, and, oh, my, the Atlanta Falcons were the worst ones. But uh, the Patriots, uh, uh, they, they, did this, they, they were part of it, too. And as you know how I like McCain, ha-ha. Um, and you know that I don't care for Jeff, well, maybe you don't on Jeff Flake, but I had to agree with him on this. This is, you know, they keep saying they don't have money for the military and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, but you have money to parade your people out to, re- you know, to get people to recruit, you know, and different things, heartfelt salutes. But, um, but, you know, when you can't take care of those that come back, this is ridiculous. So, 10 teams in Major League Baseball and 8 in NBA and 6 in the NHL took money. The NFL was the biggest piggies at the trough. Well, that's why it's definitely good to have organizations, you know, such as Jim's and, you know, and he's, uh, you know, to help out because, of course, we all know that, you know, you can't really rely on uh, the government and that's not self-reliance anyway, which uh, Flip here is uh, all about. And so, well, back to you, Jim, is, you know, you, you worked with Heath and other veterans. How many other veterans have you worked with uh, in the organization, you know, you know, in the homes or any other projects? Well, our organization, well, myself personally, I, I live in Clarksville, Tennessee, which is basically just a pitching wedge from Fort Campbell. And my neighbors and friends are all largely military. My landlord here was actually uh, in a book, one of the first firefights in Afghanistan in Takhargar province on March 4th in 2003, was um, immortalized in a book called Robert's Ridge and a movie, and there's been documentaries about it. Um, My landlord was the air mission commander on the second um, Chinook that flew in onto a ridge to recover the body of a uh, a Navy SEAL that had fallen out of an earlier helicopter. And they didn't know it, but they were flying into a a real ambush. They were shot down, and they ended up spending 18 hours taking enemy fire on this ridge in Afghanistan. And it really is, the book's called uh, Robert's Ridge, the story of Takhar Gar, and it's the, the battle of courage. And when you meet Don and when you meet these other soldiers, and regardless of your political thoughts about the wars themselves, these are just people who are my neighbors and friends. And I set aside all of that. The political stuff drives them crazy. They raise their hand and take an oath to serve and defend this country, and they follow the orders of their commanders. And when you meet these quiet, humble people, it's just amazing. I I actually worked here locally in a uh, home improvement store, and when the word got out on post that there was a, a guy in the aisles at the local store that really knew what he was talking about in all aspects of construction, 
once the word got out, I literally would show up to work and have people in line waiting to find out what they needed or what they didn't need or how to do this or that. And one gal, I remember, came, well, actually, her her neighbor brought her in. She was in tears. Her house, a new house, was settling, and the settling was so bad that it had separated the linoleum between her dining room and her kitchen, and the builder was giving her a runaround saying, well, that's typical settling. And, of course, when I saw it, I told her the the various people that should be involved to help her resolve that. But that type of support I've been doing my whole life. And in, in, as I gain knowledge and skills and abilities in all matters home, I'm a sharing person, a giving person, and I would help those people around me. Of course, my clients in business, I don't consider them so much a client as a friend. So I'm always trying to help a friend improve their home. By improving their home, it makes me a better friend. And the same, my approach to heat. So to answer your question, I have a lifetime of service in home improvement. Here in Clarksville, all of my neighbors and friends largely are military and veterans. And the stories that they tell, the people that you meet day in and day out when you live close to a military post like I do, it just becomes a way of life. And it's hard for people who aren't in this setting to understand. I guess a good example, and I know I'm talking on and on, but this is a really good example. No, that's each okay. We've got plenty of time. Go ahead. Each day I walk my Basset Hounds at the local Greenway, and it's an old railroad. I live in Clarksville, Tennessee. And if you're familiar with the Monkees song, Take the Last Train to Clarksville, that song was written about the town where I live. And at the last train to Clarksville was soldiers went off to Vietnam and it was catch the last plane, train to Clarksville coming out of Nashville where they'd been partying. But anyway, that old rail bed is now a greenway. And I walk my bassets on the greenway. On days when the wind is blowing just right from the northwest, from on coast, it carries with it the sound of the bombs exploding and the small arms fire of my neighbors and friends who are at work training for war, training to learn how to defend this homeland and defend our freedom. So when you live this close to post, when your neighbors and friends are the people who have raised their right hand and pledge their service to this country, it's more than just talk or rhetoric or news shows or or what have you. It's what you live and breathe every day. And they've been doing this for decades now. These, You know, you talked about endless war. It does seem endless. And where I live, there's so many homes sitting empty. I I did want to say I'd encourage all the listeners to go to the show page. And at the bottom where you talk about Flip Hero, there's a link there that uh, is Flip Hero U. That's our curriculum page. And that's the page where people can actually reach out, snap a picture of a project they're working on at home. Or in this case, they can take a look at the work Keith and I did at his home. That's his basement that's pictured there. And then there's pictures of Heath down learning how to 
set cabinets and do various things. And um, you asked how much I've helped people. My goal with Flip Hero is to do just that. I've given people an access point. Those folks that lined up at the stores and would be waiting for me to show up because they knew that I would give them good advice, I want to do that on a grander scale. I want to be able to reach out and help all across this country. Anybody now has access to get the advice that they need. If you have a project in your home, if you're dreaming of a new kitchen, if your commode is a little crooked because the floor is, something's been leaking, and, and snap a picture of it. Reach out and ask. You'd be surprised what you can learn or what can be gleaned from just a photograph. And Heath will attest to the fact, you know, I do know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm not bragging. I'm just fortunate. I'm fortunate because in 40 years I've worked with amazing, talented, skilled men and women. My forte is to be eager to learn and they've all been very generous in sharing their knowledge. And when you get to be an old guy like me, and you've been eager, <laughs> and you've learned, then you have that knowledge to share, and now that's the role for this third act in my life, is to be able to share that knowledge and help people, and, and I appreciate that opportunity. For the people that are listening, our website can be accessed right there through that Flip Hero U link that, Robert, I'm very I'm grateful that you put there at the bottom of the page. And uh, we'd be thrilled to have you to reach out and Flip Hero. You know, one of the things, uh, and we definitely want to bring it back in here, uh, but, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, the different ways. Now, one of your uh, goals is... Yes, Susan? Uh, something weird was I couldn't hear. It was sounded like it was way off in the distance. Oh, it might have been some uh, someone getting a message and then it getting a bling. Sometimes that happens because the mics are open. Um, oh, okay. But we're all here. And, and so, you know, you, you know, your plan for restoring the American homes for veterans, active duty soldiers, and sailors, teachers, first responders, you know, et cetera. Uh, tell us about that plan. You lost me. I, I, it, it cut out on me there. Oh, uh, Jim? Yes. Well, oh, the plan, yeah, no, I'm going to, I definitely want to bring in, but I'm, I'm was asking Jim about, uh, you know, he just said he wants to expand on, on what they're doing. And so, you know, he wants to, you know, restoring American homes for veterans. And we all, you also talk about the conservatorship, which we'll talk later. I do have a couple of audios uh, that we're going to play. Uh, one of those I gleaned from a video that you had on your site. And we'll listen and make comment on that later. Uh, so, you know, you know, you have the website and, you know, things of that nature. Uh, what way, you know, what's your plan into, you know, expanding that uh, for, you know, restoring American homes is, uh you said in the sure that you were talking about expanding that. Sure, that's a great question, and and I I would ask Susan, um, Susan, do you have 
homes sitting uh, foreclosed and vacant uh, in the town where you live? In Boise, Idaho? Oh, sure we do. So you're in Boise? Yes. Oh, that's great. Well, that's a really good thing because although I've got a tremendous amount of knowledge, skills, and abilities, one person can't make the difference. One person can do a lot, but you need to have a team. I'm lifting up this country to lock arms and to come together to fix things. One of the amazing people that I've discovered in this process is a guy called the Idaho Painter. And Susan, he lives right there in Boise. And his name oh. is Chris Chris Berry, and he is tremendous. If I were if if I were saying to the world, if you want to know anything about painting and you want to learn from the Someone who's really good, don't ask me, ask Chris Berry, the Idaho painter. Anybody out there who wants to know anything about painting, you can access the Idaho painter through our Flip Hero site, through our Flip Hero curriculum, or you can just simply do a search for YouTube for the Idaho painter. And Chris is tremendous. If you are on Twitter, I'd ask you to follow at Flip Hero, and also you can follow which, which I have. Barry, the <laughs> Idaho Painter. But you ask about fixing up homes. We're going to reach out and find those great people all across the country who have knowledge, skills, and abilities like Chris. And we're going to feature them. Uh, like I said, you don't have to come to Flip Hero to find people like that, although you will be able to. Flip Hero's role is not to let it be all about Flip Hero. Our role is to make it all about you, the people out there across this country who have those knowledge, skills, and abilities, do things right, use the correct tools, know the right techniques, pull, treat people fairly. And we're going to lift you up in cities and towns all across this country so that we can come together these homes that are sitting empty, vacant, foreclosed. Our goal is to get veterans, active duty soldiers and their families, policemen, firemen, nurses, teachers, nonprofit volunteers, those people who really stitch together the fabric of our community, get them living in these homes and letting those homes be an active campus of home improvement learning, give people access to a durable network of friends and neighbors who have the skills to come in as teachers, and then to reach out and provide access to others to be students to learn. We're going to film work as it's being done. We're going to host those documentation videos that Flip Hero use so that everybody can learn. Everything's organized by task, task by task, so that, say, for instance, you do want to do a tile backsplash in your kitchen, you can go to Flip Hero U, look at tile work under kitchen backsplash, and we will have there the videos that people have submitted from projects they've done, and you will be able to learn and ask questions and get feedback so we're creating an open network of learning 
open source planning and open source project help so that if you're doing a do-it-yourself project at home, now you've got a network of people that you can snap a picture and upload it and ask, anybody have a suggestion? How do I handle this? What do I do here? There's thousands and hundreds of thousands and of videos, good videos, already available through YouTube. As we sort through, we'll find the best in each area and we'll propagate that to the top of the list so that you can seek out and find what really does provide the best help. And we ask people to submit what they feel is the best uh, learning videos. And we'll just have this open discussion to help people improve. As people's homes are improved, as these homes are no longer vacant, people living in these homes, now we've got this campus of improvement stretched out across the country. So rather than spreading blight and vacancy, we're empowering people with knowledge, skills, and improvement. And that's the role of Flip Hero. Yeah, so it definitely uh, goes beyond, uh, you know, I mean, and helping veterans, I mean, that's great. And Wind Awards, that's, I mean, that's great. Uh, but it looks like it's going to be building, you know, to go even beyond that. And let's go ahead. I'm going to bring it back to, uh, to Heath, but I, I do want to bring it bring it back uh, later, Jim, uh, with the networking because I did come across uh, uh, an organization, you know, that uh, is you know working. If your networking is something that you're looking uh, for, and I know one of the things that they, they've been working on is uh, about educational videos and things of that nature. Uh, it may or may be something that would fit uh, within within what you're doing. Uh, perhaps not, but it would be something. Uh, that they bear, you know, looking into. And I, I could get to the website and you can ch- check it out. And I do have uh, some contact information with folks if you would like to uh, move forward to talk with them, see if there's any kind of networking or, or working uh, together with perhaps with what they're doing uh, with, you know, educational videos and things of that nature. Uh, so that might be something I'd be interested in. And so, uh, but Heath, I see you also have, uh, your website, because uh, you're looking out to help folks as well. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, yeah, basically. Oh, real quick, I, real quick, Heath, I want to I, I bring this up, and I apologize. But um, a, one thing to look at is because you're reaching reach Idaho, and I'm one of those things that if I don't mention it, I'll go, you know, I'll go on to the next thing, and I'll forget, and it's terrible. Uh, but speaking of Boise, Idaho, uh, I actually got invited, and I have to look at the logistics. Speaking of Idaho, maybe they'll give us an opportunity uh, to meet Susan. Is they, um, As people look back in the archives, they'll notice back in 2012, <laughs> I've interviewed a lot of the uh, candidates, including the presidential candidate uh, for the Constitution Party. And uh, I was speaking with uh, someone who is a party leader in the state of Idaho for the a constitution party and they're going to be holding a debate there, a presidential debate there uh, for their primary in February. And I've, uh, I've been considered as one of the moderators of the debate uh, oh, there. So if wow. I get the opportunity, yeah. So if I get the opportunity to uh, get out to uh, Idaho uh, to be one of the media moderators of the debate, uh, then I'll keep you posted. It just you know, depends on work logistics and things of that nature. Um, and when that's going to be, I believe it's going to be the end of um, the end of February. 
So I'll just, you know, I'll keep you posted on that. And, you know, if so, I don't know exactly where uh, in Idaho I will uh, be, uh, but uh, I'll keep you, you know, updated on that as, as, as more information uh, comes in from there. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that since you brought up uh, Idaho and, uh, and that's something that I've been, uh, you know, because there's going to be four media panelists and I, I may be uh, one of them or moderators, questionnaires uh, for it. So I'll keep you updated. But let's go ahead and go back to you, uh, you Heath, and discuss uh, what you're working on and your website. Uh, yeah, well, basically being a uh, bilateral above-knee amputee, um, one of the big things that, that I have done up until this point, uh, until getting involved with Jim, one of the big things that I do and, and still do, um, is just trying to to show people what actually is available uh, with prosthetic technology and with what what you actually can do with the prosthetic technology when it's fit well, um, when it's aligned correctly, um, it gives you the opportunity to to be able to walk and and actually you know uh, fulfill life and do a lot of those things again. Going back to those questions I had in the beginning to fulfill life and and answer it was the answer to those questions that I had in the beginning and. Just try to do the the best that I can with my prosthetic company to get out and show those people uh, what's available and, and actually try to teach them, help them walk. I, I've had some stuff in the past. Um, I worked with the Wounded Warrior Project uh, years ago and was able to work with them up until the point that uh, I had to focus on a professional skiing career. But, um, you know, with them, we worked on a lot of different things to help um, veterans and to uh, – to bring in stuff, but the biggest focus that I had was something, you know, at the time that was near and dear to my heart still is, um, and that is just uh, bilateral above-knee uh, amputations and, and folks, other folks with that uh, issue. Just try to help those guys live a, uh, you know, a fulfilled life and uh, understand that you don't have to allow the amputation to actually define who you are, that it's up to you to define who you are. Yeah, definitely. So let's go ahead and, and bring it back to you, Susan. And then I've got uh, some uh, go over some more information or you know discuss with uh, Jim on the networking. Go ahead, Susan. Ah, well, I I think it's awesome. Is this guy that he was talking about, Chris Berry? Is he helping with uh, doing these houses? You know, um, I I hate it when I see houses. Um, I think that if they're just sitting there and doing nothing and, and, and they're building new ones instead of, you know, I'm not saying every person that's a druggy or something like that, they'd probably tear the house apart and down, but um, there are homeless people that are decent and there are veterans, and I, you know, they just destroyed a tent city here and the mayor was just booed something terrible. And it doesn't have to be in a certain neighborhood where you, if they really are against it, they feel it would bring down the cost of the value around them. But there's other houses that are in neighborhoods that are just, what do you call it, just sort of average. And a house like that, they could put two, three, four people in and and help them out. I mean, if we're going to help people, we should be doing things like that. And so um, I'm just wondering if this Chris Berry has been approached or is helping you guys in these efforts or what? Well, that's a really good question, Susan, and this would be my answer. 
Chris and I and he and a whole team, a whole army really of volunteers are coming together. And although Chris and I have not physically gone out to an individual home as Flip Hero and the Idaho Painter locked arm in arm to do a particular task at a particular home, Chris has been spending a tremendous amount of time and effort over years building a whole series of free videos. They're instructional videos teaching people how to do painting tasks task by task. It's an amazing catalog, a library that he's created. And he's got a a store of the right tools and supplies. And he's just dedicated himself to helping people. And really, YouTube and technology makes this possible. The problem with the nonprofit arena, the problem with trying to help people is if you're not organized and if you're not fair and if you're not transparent, you can get into trouble because people's feelings get hurt if they feel like maybe you helped that other person a little bit more than you helped me or vice versa. And so technology has afforded us now to create a system where we can be transparent with the money. People who are given access to these homes, every penny that flows through that home can be accounted for in a public way so that there is no question. There's no question about whether funds are available to fund a training activity that happens at that home. There's no question about how much is being paid for rent to to live in that home. There's no question Mm -hmm. about how much donations have been received and how those donations have been spent. We call our company... We call this program Hero Trust Flip Hero. It's not just Flip Hero going out in the sense of making a home improve. It has to have the Hero Trust aspect. And the Hero Trust, the foundation of that is transparency in money. I worked with the American Red Cross as a public affairs officer you know, it used to be years ago if you made a donation to a large organization like that, you just made a donation and and then you got a receipt for a donation and you really didn't know where your money went or how it was used. And Paul Newman played a big role in changing that aspect of the development in the nonprofit world raising money is called development. And when he created Newman's Own... He said, we're going to leave the monies that are raised in the community where that product is sold. And it was such a hit with people because they would buy his products, his salad dressing and what have you, and know that the monies that were being raised were staying right there in the community. It's what's called donor intent. And we want, as Hero Trust, Flip Hero, to create the ability for you to use your donor intent in a way that's revolutionary, never been done before. 
let's say, Susan, you've got a home there on the street where you live in Boise, and that home's been sitting empty now for years, and, yeah, they're building new homes across town and down the street, but that home that's been sitting empty that was foreclosed or in some way given back to the bank, some family lost that home, we want to put somebody in that home. We want to give them a favorable lease on that home that is less than the going market rate for leases in that area, and we're going to handle the money that flows through that property in a transparent way. Every penny, a public property ledger. And when you know where every single penny comes from and you know every single penny that's available and a ledger is tied to that home, now you, Susan, could decide, you know, I want to make a charitable donation today of $50. And, you know, by golly, I'm going to donate my $50 to that home across the street. And you will be able to literally donate $50 into the public property ledger of the home across the street. And when you make that donation, if you do it online, instantly every penny of your donation will be visible. And literally every single penny of that donation that was your donor intent to be used at that home across the street every penny will instantly be available to be used at that home to conduct training exercises. That training exercise might be fixing a gate on a fence that had fallen down. It might be fixing a gutter that was hanging loose. It might be Chris Berry coming over to conduct a training activity there in Boise teaching a, a person, a friend, somebody else how to paint where that gutter fell off in preparation to rehang the gutter and part of the money that it took to fund this training activity was your $50, Susan. And every single penny of your donation will be used for that effort. Um, Do you uh, need to contact uh, is it help to contact senators and different people because Senator Crapo and Rich, both of them from Idaho, they're big into helping veterans. They actually are pretty good about it. I've seen pictures of awarding people or getting, um, um, like, a really older gentleman a medal he should have had. And uh, I'm just wondering, you went to their office, you might be able to, uh, or had someone that you knew contact them, they might be able to get some help. Well, we're very excited for all of the help that we get from good people like you, Susan, and and he, and, of course, Robert having us on the show tonight is tremendous help. We don't know who might be listening in right now and listening to this idea of donor intent or transparency in money or the idea that we could bring people together in a sense of community and start fixing up homes and restoring our homeland. You know, I like to refer to it as mow the backyard first. We've done a lot of stuff 
in other places in this world, helping and fighting and and, do, and donating money and sending aid and all. I think it's time we mow the backyard. I think it's time we start thinking about taking care of that house across the street that I was talking about with you, Susan, mm-hmm. that you could do something that important. So I'm very grateful that you would reach out. You know, your voice is as important in many ways, much more important than my voice because it's the folks like you, Susan, that can say, you know, there's something here. There's really something here. There's something new and it's exciting and we're going to make this work. And it's you, Susan, who's going to help make that happen. Okay, well, if someone will send me a link, I mean, I can approach the senators or give it to the staff members. I call them and bug them about everything else. (laughs) Well, sure. I think this would be a really good lead-in to just let everyone know our website is herotrust.org. And if you go to herotrust.org, That's our organizational site. Um, Very soon, we will be launching our Flip Heroes site, which will provide you with the tools you need to manage your home. The tools you need to manage your home. And those tools include a smart sheet that will allow you to organize a journal, a diary, the training activities that you would want to conduct. It doesn't have to be a Hero Trust property in our program. It could be your home or your apartment. Maybe you've got something, maybe you want to paint your front room. Well, how nice to be able to organize a painting project in your front room where we lay out every single required task. The first task would be to clean because you don't want to paint over dirt. So you clean, we'll give advice on how to move furniture and how to organize the the tasks, how to patch the holes where the pictures were hanging on the walls, how to wipe out the window seals, how to mask and tape, how to repair and prep. All of these things already exist. And the funny thing is, Susan, the real pro, the guy that I go to, my guru, if you will, is Chris Berry right there in Boise. I'm here in Clarksville, Tennessee, and I'm advising you that the guy to go to is just down the street. Uh, For all I know, you could be neighbors. And that's the way it is all across the country. So we're... Well, I I don't think so, but that would be cool, yes. (laughs) Well, you're you're there in Boise, and, and Boise's a really large, growing town, but we want people to have the idea, the mindset, the sense of community that even though you're in Boise and I'm here in Clarksville, we can join together in this common bond of helping you accomplish the task of getting your front room painted using the tools that we'll provide at Flip Hero. And you may want to reach out and do some projects in the community there. You'll be able to go to the Hero Trust site, do a local search for training activities that are um, happening there in your town. And as this grows and prospers, you'll be able to select from different 
tasks where you can go. Maybe you're wanting to learn how to do that tile work I was talking about. Well, your first okay. opportunity would be as a student in a Flip Hero project, and you would reach out and find somebody who was doing a training activity at one of those vacant homes. And it would be to get yourself in the role of a student. The student in a Flip Hero project, your chief responsibility is to bring your smartphone and to take a video and pictures of the work that's happening because those pictures and those videos document the work and will allow other people to learn from you and what you've experienced as you're learning by watching someone like Chris paint a room. Other people can look at those videos and learn right along with you, and those videos will be available in a year and in five years and long after I'm gone. And people will be able to learn in perpetuity. What we're building is not a one and done. The investment that we're making into these homes is creating an education platform that's going to live beyond the improvement needed at these homes. People right now are looking at all of these empty homes and they're throwing up their hands going, what do we do? Well, on the one hand, you could look at them as all this work and who's going to do all this work and, oh, my goodness, isn't this horrible? On the other hand, you could take my viewpoint and look at all these homes as a wonderful opportunity for people to come together and learn. And this improvement education will inspire folks to do other things. You might go out and, I don't know, Susan, maybe painting's not your thing or tile's not your thing, but if you do a little painting or you do a little tile, like I said, you'll learn, well, what I learned is I don't want to do any of that again. Or you may find a talent and ability that you really like. When I was helping Keith, he got down and laid tile in his um, man cave behind the bar on the floor. And once he realized that it wasn't that difficult, he was looking at me like, you know, I could do this. I could really do this. And, and the fact that he doesn't have legs made it a whole lot easier than someone like me that gets down there and it kills your knees. He doesn't have any knees. He's down there on his prosthetics. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, you know, that's he probably would make a good tile man. And um, that's the role of Flip Hero. And, and the nice thing is if you will go to that Flip Hero U link at the show page, uh, Robert's show page, or the website is fliphero.tumblr dot com and that's available dot tumblr dot com and and it's a, you can access all of these sites from the hero trust site if you go to the hero trust site all of the links are there to our facebook page our twitter page our tumblr page uh, you'll be able to see heath's project uh, the course of heath's project one of the interesting things we did at Heath's project was we poured a concrete bar 
and it's actually a two-level bar. And the reason we did it out of concrete Yeah, was I've seen because, pictures of that. That's really cool. <laughs> well, if you, uh, there's – well, I should let Heath talk about the bar. Heath, why don't you add in on that bar? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Heath. That's a great idea. And I've seen it. It looks really neat. Go ahead, Heath. Well, you know, there was a lot of different reasons why we did it. You know, at first, it, we spent a lot of time with me trying to figure out exactly what we wanted down there, what I wanted uh, the bar to look like, and uh, I was nervous. I was nervous about doing a concrete bar. Again, I go back to that. I go back to that fear of, uh, you know, what was it going to be like to do the work? Uh, is it something that I can really do? I mean, is is this something that's really possible? Uh, after we got started on the bar, we were trying to free span an area without support so that we could use all the space that we had. And um, by pouring the concrete bar, it gave us a stable platform. And um, We had the materials at home in order to do it. We just had to buy the concrete. And with that, um, it was something that we came out that turned out absolutely beautiful with a little acid etch and stain. Um, it's something that's going to last. It's something that's going to be sturdy something that uh ended up coming out very very beautiful that took us putting a little little bit of thought in in the beginning um so that we were able to put uh, rope lighting inside the bar it just came out absolutely beautiful uh, because we sat down and we thought about what we were going to use the bar for how we wanted to use it how best to build this thing and concrete was the way to go for us and there's some really good videos at the Flip Hero U, at, at the Tumblr site, there's some really good videos um, as we're pouring the concrete. There's videos as we're forming the raised bar. Um, there's videos and pictures of, of the steel that we uh, put into the concrete. Um, ultimately, I told Heath that we could pour a concrete bar and make it sturdy so that he could have um, all of his friends coming over and jumping up and down on the bar, and uh, and I think he you'll agree you could you could line a bunch of folks up on there and not have to worry about it falling in. Oh yeah, uh, by the by the time you do the math on that thing, we've got uh, uh, quite a bit of weight that can go on that bar before uh, it's ever going to break or crack. And I think uh, if I ever decide to get it out of the house, I'm going to have to use a bulldozer. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I tell you, I've, I've built a few bars in uh, in my time with doing home remodeling things of that nature, um, and so we'll uh, you know I wish wish I still had some pictures of that maybe somewhere, but yeah, I really enjoyed that and tile work as well. That was actually one of my favorite things to do was was to work with tiles. Uh, but, but back over to you, and then uh, we'll, we'll get over to the uh, Freddie and Fanny. Uh, part of the conversation is what well, you know with the conservatorship and things of that nature um, and we, we do have plenty of time and I do see some folks on the line so if you'd like to chime in just push the one on your number dial and we will get you into the show uh, so just uh, push the one on your phone and I'll see that you like to get in and then uh, we'll get you into the show but uh, since we're uh, looking at, at that and if you guys wanted to uh, share some contact information uh, then I'll definitely uh, get us all connected uh, where we can, uh, you know, share links and, and information, things of that nature. And speaking of links, uh, Jim, uh, check out what's called Excel Intel, and that's www.excelintel.com. 
Facebook.com. That's uh, for networking, things of that nature. Also, uh, educational, you know, about educational uh, videos, things of that nature. And also, I know some folks from uh, that organization as well. So, if that's something uh, you'd be interested in looking more into, uh, just send me an email. And, uh, you know, I could get you connected with uh, the folks. Maybe it's something you two, uh, you know, the two uh, could work together, uh, you know, to, you know, you know, probably get, get things out, uh, get out for you. Because it's definitely sure. going to take, you know, a lot of networking uh, to get you to uh, the goals that you want to achieve. People like that have amazing resources readily available. And our goal is to shine a light on those amazing people. This is not us patting ourselves on the back here. Aren't we doing great things? No. Our success will be in taking an organization like ExcelIntel.com and helping them be successful. Because if they're successful, then the people that are intent to help will be successful. And that's, that's our goal. And let's go ahead and uh, what's happened there? Uh, I'm multitasking uh, as I do uh, <laughs> right here, and I was just like, what? I made a little mistake. But while, while I uh, do uh, the multitasking behind the scene that I'm doing, uh, let me go ahead and uh, play one of the audios uh, we've got. I believe one of these came from uh, your YouTube uh, video that, that was sent over, as well as uh, one or two that I've got here myself. And so let's go ahead and listen to what's going to say, make some comments. Uh, as I said, I do see some folks in line. Push one on your number dial uh, if you'd like to chime in. But first, let's, and remember, folks, even though I'll be playing the audio, uh, we'll be keeping the mics open. Uh, so let's be mindful of that so that uh, we don't have any background uh, sound. So let's go ahead and play that uh, first audio. It's about uh, seven minutes, a little bit over. Uh, so let's go ahead and hear that. Five million families lost their homes during the financial crisis. Another 5.3 million homeowners remain underwater on their homes, and people are continuing to lose their homes every day in foreclosure. One of your duties under the law is to preserve and uh, conserve the assets of Fannie and Freddie. The taxpayers have at rest now about $5 trillion between Fannie and Freddie. It is the role of Congress to define what the future state is. It's Congress who will create the next housing finance system, and the American taxpayer is completely on the hook for any losses. What is the biggest risk that you see into the future if Congress doesn't take action on uh, housing finance and deal with the, the current status that we now have? Uncertainty in this area uh, causes costs to go up, and those costs result in costs to borrowers. And that's true whether it's a home buyer or a renter uh, seeking affordable uh, rental um, housing. Implement a plan that seeks to maximize assistance for homeowners. If we can design a system that works for the current, it will also work for the future.
in just a few seconds, folks. The other audio Thank you will for coming come back. Um, I also appreciate your dedication to following the law and following the statutes. I hope it's an example you can set for the rest of the administration. Uh, regarding the statutes, I think we've talked a little bit about today uh, about the, the statute regarding the suspension. What statute did you rely on in ending the suspensions? Uh, the Housing Trust Fund statute, the Affordable Housing Allocations, that's uh, in HERA. It was it was reauthorized by Congress in in HERA. Correct. Oh, okay. Yeah. I misunderstood what you said, but that's the statute that says when to suspend. Correct? Is there there is no there is no statutory guidance for you on how to end a suspension? Is there? Um, it says uh, the director shall temporarily suspend. I would assume that the word temporarily has an inverse. Uh, that says you can unsuspend. I don't, you know, you're, you're, technically you may be right that there's no statute that specifically well, let, let's says walk, let's walk through that it you then. do this if you unsuspend, but you apply the same criteria to suspend and unsuspend, and that's what we did. I think that's fair, but by the same token, the, the mandate to suspend is, is not, there's no discretion there. You shall suspend if, if you find one of these three conditions, correct? Yeah, and, okay. and, I, and I interpret it the same way. You shall unsuspend if you find that these three things don't apply anymore. These things right. don't apply. Then let's walk through them. It says that um, they contribute, contribute to the financial instability of the enterprise, causing, would cause the enterprise to be classified as undercapitalized or preventing, preventing them from doing their capital restoration plan. But I heard you say something to Mr. Duffy earlier that was new, which is a reference to um, the, uh, Fannie and Freddie making a profit. That's not in the statute, right? That's not one of the factors you can consider in making a decision to suspend or end a suspension, is it? Well, um, number one says are contributing or would contribute to the financial instability of the enterprises. Um, if you are evaluating the financial stability or instability of the enterprise, the, the primary factor you're looking at is uh, whether they're making money or not. Oh, oh, right? Really? So whether a bank is making money is the only issue we look at as to whether or not they are stable. Is that, is that what you're saying? If Bank of America is making a profit, then therefore they must be stable? I don't make decisions about Bank of America. I'm following the statute that was written that and applies to, to the and I'm trying to press you on that. Federal Housing Finance Agency. Is Fannie stable? We think it is, and we built into the decision to reverse the suspension uh, prudent, reasonable safeguards in the event that uh, Again, they go back in the I other direction. That, and I read that in the letter. It says mm -hmm. if we ever have to go back to the Treasury, we'll suspend the payments. I get that. Not in the statute, is it? The protection you supposedly put in the letter is not part of the statutory consideration. I hear what you're saying, Mr. Watt. I think it's a good idea, but it's not statutory. You can't take the position you're following the statute and then go, well, but really what we're considering is profitability. And don't worry, because we put something in the letter that says if we ever have to go back to Treasury, we'll stop the suspension. You're rewriting the law, aren't you? Well, I'm, I'm following the conservatorship statute there, uh, uh, Representative Mulvaney. Um, we Come with me then to number two regarding um, the, the undercapitalized, because I think you've taken the position several times that your agreement with the Treasury moots this section. Is that, is that fair? Yes. That, uh, my understanding, and again, I'm new to this, is that your agreement with Treasury is an agreement, right? That's correct. How does an agreement trump the law? Uh, well, I, I think the law got trumped when uh, they went into conservatorship and the taxpayers had to ante up uh, $187 billion 
and they had uh, and so an agreement was made. That was before I got there. I didn't negotiate the agreement. But you would agree but, with um, me. Tech, the agreement was in place when I became the director of this Typically, agency. an agreement between one agency and another department of government cannot trump the law. You can't get around the law. I, I absolutely agree with that. Right. So if the conservatorship statute doesn't explicitly repeal Section B-2, then Section B-2 is still valid law. I don't agree with that, but um, I mean I understand what you're saying. Why, why don't I just you agree disagree with, with you? If the conservatorship statute doesn't speak to B two, why is B two still not good law? Well, I, it just doesn't apply. Uh, I, I I don't. I, I'm not what, sure. With, well, what's your we're engaging in a legal argument here that. Uh, uh, That's what we're know, supposed to do, if, though. If isn't you it? all didn't want to fund the housing trust fund, uh, you have the authority to stop the housing funding of the housing trust and we exercise but don't expect me to we? disregard the law and 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 do it for you if you want to do that i mean that's that's well, what what we did just that we said look under these certain circumstances we don't think we should be funding the trust fund and all we're asking you to do is follow the law and if you believe that it is undercapitalized or you believe it's unstable then you should stop the payments i yield back uh gentlemen And Jim, if you would uh, first, uh, I think you would actually know better than I uh, about some of the content of what they're saying. Maybe you could put some of that in English for uh, us folks. Is first, uh, can you describe for us what uh, conservatorship is, what it means, and explain to us uh, that in the context of that audio clip we just heard? Well, <clears throat> Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are government-sponsored enterprises. And when they were placed into conservatorship, that was basically saying that the Federal Housing Finance Agency would be given control over a well, – the reason they did it originally was they attributed the need for the action to the inherent conflict and flawed business model embedded in the government-sponsored enterprise structure. And so they just, like you heard in that talk, they said, well, the law says that you're not supposed to park on the grass, but I know that the law says you're not supposed to park on the grass, but let you and I agree that we'll let you park on the grass as long as you're parking on the grass with your the nose of your car pointed in a certain direction. So that's what they've done in this conservatorship. They've skirted and created a situation where you really aren't sure who's in charge. There's hundreds of hours of congressional testimony and and on and on and on, and, and you just you, you go brain dead listening to this stuff because they just talk themselves in circles and you end up right back at the beginning. And I've got a downline in my Twitter feed of people who are trying to make sense of this, and this one fella, he started to uh, equate it to the Wizard of Oz, and they're looking for a heart, and they're looking for a brain, and they're looking for the nerve, but they're 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 still you know, dancing through the lily fields, 
on their way to Oz. They haven't really gotten there yet, and in some way or another, we've got to find our way back to Kansas, and that's really what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and the conservatorship is. Putting all this talk aside, putting all of the government agencies aside, putting these sponsored enterprises aside, my approach is I drove every street within one mile of my home here in Clarksville. On June 17th of this year, and I took a picture of every home that's sitting empty, foreclosed, vacant, and in decline. I was able to take a picture of 42 properties within one mile of my front door. Wow. And for every picture I took, there was two other homes that I didn't take a picture of. The actual number is over a hundred and 20 homes within one mile of my front door. So when you talk about the conservatorship, and I'm always saying on my website and on my Twitter feeds and all, it's hashtag end the conservatorship smartly. What I mean by that is simply this. I don't know who those smart people are in Congress, I don't know who those smart people are at the Federal Housing Finance Agency. I don't know who those smart people are at the banks or at the Federal Reserve, but I'm calling upon those smart people to just simply allow the American taxpayer who, when the conservatorship happened, the American taxpayer was put on the hook for hundreds of billions of dollars to prop up these government-sponsored enterprises. And as you see these homes sitting empty, you can know that you, as the taxpayer, are the one that is funding and underwriting that vacancy. Because Mm. the continual vacancy of that home is the conservatorship. And what I'm saying is, okay, we as the taxpayers, since this is a democracy and we're in charge through the power of our vote, I vote that we get someone living in those homes. I vote that rather than letting them sit in decline, that the government and people allow access to those properties to be given in an open, nonprofit, public setting turn those homes into a campus of education where people can improve their lives and the lives of everybody that lives next door and across the street and down the road. And so Susan out there in Boise can go learn how to do something and and have fun doing it. And so Chris Berry can improve his ability to teach people. And so that People like Excel Intel that you're talking about can have a whole new steady stream of of folks who are benefiting from the work that they're doing. And in this process, those homes will be restored. Communities will be restored. Ending the conservatorship will end this continual funnel of treasury dollars that are being funneled into vacant homes. When you go to Hero Trust, I put a splash page up there. 
And you heard in this video um, Mel Watt, who is the director of the Federal Housing Finance Agency. You heard him say the American taxpayer is on the hook for $5 trillion. You heard me right, trillion with a T. My thought, and I put it right there on the splash page, there's a picture there of a home that's right around the corner from me. And that home's been sitting empty for years. And it is an absolutely beautiful home that's in disrepair. Anybody would be thrilled to own that home. Anybody would be thrilled to have that home who maybe is renting now or living in their car now or living in a shelter now or maybe somebody who's just gotten out of school and they've got some student debt and they've got some financial struggles and they're just looking for an affordable option. Or they work in a nonprofit arena where they're not paid real well. Or they're a teacher. I mean, goodness me, teachers don't make a lot of money. And to be able to put a teacher into a home where they're actually improving the home through education is just a natural fit. But on that splash page at our website, they literally have a tarp. The roof on that home is about 25 years old. And we had a really bad windstorm, and a bunch of the shingles were blown off, and some of the flashing down one of the valleys on a dormer, on a on an adjustment that comes out of the roof, a dormer, had sprung a leak. So rather than hire a roofer to fix the leak they hired through their government-sponsored enterprise management people somebody to come out there and pull a $20 tarp that they went down to the hardware store and bought. They pulled this tarp over the dormer and nailed it off. And they did that back in the spring. Here we are in December, and that tarp is probably leaking because it never was a permanent fix, and the sun destroys that mm-hmm. tarp material. But I would be willing to bet, I don't know this for a fact, this is simply my opinion, but I would be willing to bet that they spent as much or more to pull that temporary tarp over that dormer and nail it off than a competent roofer would have spent to maybe patch the roof properly on the entire dormer with a permanent fix. Or that money that was spent to pull that temporary tarp over that dormer could have been invested towards a permanent roof. I just put a roof on a home, my home, right around the corner, it's exactly the same home, and it was $8,000. So my question would be to the bank and their management company who is part of this conservatorship scheme, how much of that $8,000 would have been offset by the money that they spent, or I should say that they spent on our behalf as taxpayers to pull that $20 tarp over that dormer and nail it off? And that's why that's the splash page at our website, because it really does encapsulate the problem. 
if you think in global terms, let's not let's I, I mentioned the phrase mow the backyard first, but let's just set that aside just for a moment. Let's think in terms of the people in this world. Think of the people who live in cardboard boxes. Think of the people who live on piles of rubbish. Think of the people who live in caves and huts. Imagine what they would think if this country didn't address this problem in short order and our eventual solution was to pay somebody a lot of money to take a D9 cat and push that house into a pile of rubble and haul it off to a landfill. And that sounds extreme, but I will tell you that Time Magazine and some very leading people in this country have publicly said the solution to all of these vacant homes is to tear them down. And if you want to question that, look at what they're doing in places like Cleveland and Detroit and areas that have extremes of vacancy and blight. And I'm saying that there's a better way. Rather than look at the problem from a government solution, Keith and I will agree on this, Government governs best that governs least. And our flip mm-hmm. hero trust solution is let us, the taxpayers, lock arms in a battle buddy mentality to create an education platform to improve these homes, to provide affordable housing, and to give people an opportunity to come together in a sense of community. What's missing in people's lives at the end of the day when you turn your smart smartphone off or you turn your computer off is you have very often nothing tangible to show for what you did that day. We can restore in this country a sense of your hands have value and worth. And with your hands, you can create something like that concrete bar that he's so excited about, so proud of. He built that with his hands and a little bit of guidance. And I'm here to say that these young kids in a place like Ferguson that has one in three homes vacant and 50% Mm -hmm. of the young male black population unemployed, It's not hard to say, you know, give me some tools and give me an opportunity and and some materials and a few of those good, strong fellas and gals, and we'll get out there and we'll clean up some of that mess, get some people living in those homes. That's Hero Trust, Flip Hero. That's our goal. And along the way, some of those kids are going to find out, you know what, I kind of like doing tile work, or I kind of like the idea of wire, or I'm not afraid of getting up on a roof especially when it's putting money in their pocket. One of the things that we've not talked about that's really important, and for the cynics out there, and I know Heath's a cynic, but this is something that helped win him over to Hero Trust. And we'll definitely want to get to uh, and after real, real quick, Jim, after this we'll get some comic, uh, comments sure. from Heath, and then also we'll bring you back in, Susan, and also uh, our panelist, Cindy, 
she is listening to the show, but unfortunately she will not be able to uh, join us since she has a, at least through her voice, uh, by calling in, but she will be sending messages, uh, which she just has, and I'll read that in a little bit. Uh, and thank you, Cindy, for listening, and just convey your thought. I'll convey your thoughts for you since uh, her throat is very sore and won't be able to actually talk. Uh, so I'll convey her thoughts that way. Um, and so that's how we'll uh, do it moving forward. Uh, go ahead, uh, Jim. I just want to get that out. Go ahead. Well, Cindy, I hope you're feeling better. And uh, I look forward to getting your thoughts and comments. But as I was authoring for Hero Trust, it occurs to me that to go out and do this work, it, it, it will cost you. Education is expensive, time, effort, and energy. And for people who do training activities, they receive stipends, compensation for their outlay. So we wrote into this program stipends. So when a training activity is planned, the people who are planning the training activity, the teacher will establish a teacher stipend, and the student who participates will agree to a student stipend, and these amounts are locked into the training activity, which is part of the public property ledger, which is part of the planning for the activity, and this public property ledger funds the activity so when the funds are available and and these funds are the funding is provided through the lease for the home when there's enough funds to conduct the training activity pay for the materials pay for the supplies pay for the stipends those funds are locked and then the training activity can commence that training activity could be a landscaping project. It could be repairing a fence. It could be uh, a, a, a number of tasks. Or a training activity can be defined as just a simple required task. When that task is completed and there is a video or picture documentation of that project that we can see, then the funds are released and those funds are paid out. Now, if you're those unemployed, one in 50% of the people unemployed in Ferguson or Baltimore or East St. Louis or, or here in Clarksville or there in Boise, and you're looking for something to do, these training activities are education, exposure to work, an opportunity to see tangible results from the work that you do, and it's going to put a little money in your pocket. And what's wrong with that? This is not taxpayer-funded dollars. These are dollars that were lease provisioned, generated by the folks actually living in these homes, conducting the training activities to improve them. That's actually uh, kind of in part uh, with what Cindy said here. And, and Cindy said thank you uh, for, you know, <laughs> giving her uh, some uh, luck and feeling better. And she goes, um, her comment is, uh, for those empty houses uh, that are going to be used for some good purpose, it should be administered through a nonprofit, private, or, char or private charity, not government agencies. And she puts all in caps and not at government agencies. And so I think we're um, 
kind of on the same page with that. But let's go ahead and bring it over uh, to you, Heath, and then we'll bring in uh, uh, Susan back in. And then uh, we'll, I do have another audio <clears throat> to play. And then I've got a, a couple other questions. Uh, of course, uh, just to give you a forewarning, gentlemen, uh, it's probably going to be of the uh, political uh, persuasion on those questions uh, because, of course, this is a political show as well. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, get your comments, Heath. Heath, do we still have you on the line here? <clears throat> Heath just texted me, and he says he's getting static. No, that's not good. Uh, he's, he's saying I, I'm getting landline static. I don't know what's happening. So he's having a little bit of issue. That's our, NSA, that's our NSA friends probably uh, kind of messing things up for us. <laughs> Uh, so we'd like to say hi to you, NSA Bob. We know that you are listening. And uh, while NSA Bob is listening, we try to bring Heath in. Uh, real quick, uh, Susan, I uh, will be getting you back in, but we got uh, our panelist Kelly on the line. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring in Kelly. Thank you very much, Kelly. And he's from California. Thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm way up north in California, not from Stockton, but Stockton was for a while, between Stockton and Detroit was the uh, foreclosure capital of the world. Jeez. Um, I guess I want to ask the caller here, uh, you know, the classic, I mean, I'm sorry, your guest, the classic follow the money thing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these people who are doing crap work for high dollars I wouldn't be surprised if they happen to be related to one party or the other. And from getting these contracts for this quote-unquote repair jobs, I wouldn't be surprised if they're taking and they're making tons of money and and giving camp, uh, campaign contributions. And there's a lot of suspicion in that. You know, the union system is, uh, you know, pay union dues, we get a lobbyist. Lobbyist goes to the state. And then all of a sudden your salaries get increased, plus your benefits, plus your perks. You know, round three, four, five, seven lobbyists, next thing you know, um, you've got an incredible retirement package. Oh, that town again, Stockton, that went bankrupt because they promised too much from their union government workers. The city went bankrupt because there's no way we can pay this. And all in the meantime, what happens, and I'll name them here, they're called Democrats, but in the meantime, what happens is um, – massive amount of political power is obtained. I mean, I totally love your idea of getting young folk to uh, uh, get involved in this repair and say have some kind of a community trust or a community board. Um, but it goes against this simple premise of my buddies won't get all this government money, and because they won't get all this government money, I won't get campaign contributions. So we can't do what's best for the community unless best for my political career. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'm coming out swinging here, but I've seen too, too many examples of people that just want an enormous amount of money and the paybacks for campaign contributions. I mean, I'm, I'm just getting sick of it. By the way, I design homes. Oh, wow, Kelly. What do you use to design? Oh, Are you on CAD? I'm, I'm actually an engineer, too, and I just do the calculations and everything else. Brilliant. I design everything I build. I use smart, uh, 
um, chief architect. Yeah, I've heard about that package. I saw yeah, the plans brought in by chief architect. I was impressed. Yeah, it's really great. In fact, the the, uh, the geospatial activity that they do in the Shrek movies and a lot of the movies that are made, they use this 3D technology, um, and it's really 3D-driven video. I'm able to design homes and walk people through them and put paper on walls and furniture and all, and it's all before I ever turn the first spade of dirt. And it's, I started out a lot of years ago designing homes with a pointer and a pencil. And then life has just really changed. And But I yeah. really appreciate what you um, said. And I would like to follow up with that. But first, I want to just quickly go back to what Cindy said. Cindy, I hope you will have a chance to visit HeroTrust.org. All of our bylaws and frequently asked questions and the entire program is laid out, and it is very concise, so much so that I'm very, very honored to be able to say that the day the IRS granted our exempt status, the examiner there in the exempt division at the IRS called to personally tell me that Within their agency, they felt what I had created was vitally important for this country. And the reason... Yeah, called it, you and said that? Yeah. And I will tell you, Kelly, that the reason they did that was because of the, the preciseness of what we're talking about. You raised some really good points, and I'd like to talk about them one by real one. Qu- real, real, real quick, Jim. Could you uh, mention the website again for Cindy? Yeah, it's HeroTrust.org. HeroTrust.org. Kelly, getting back to your question. Once again, I come from a background in the nonprofit world of development and money. And we had talked about donor intent. You know, it's amazing the people that are elected into office and then after they serve their seven, eight, ten terms, they come out of office very well off. And you look at the salaries that are paid to our leadership and you know that they didn't make those dollars from a salary as a public servant. Now, there are exceptions to that rule, but there are definitely those that fit the mold of what I'm talking about. But I will tell you that it go- I want to talk about banks. You know, when I was a young kid, you could go into a bank. If the check, if a check was drawn on that bank, you could carry that check into that bank and you they'd cash the check, give you your money. But they realized somewhere along the way that if they refused to cash the check because you weren't a account holder with that bank, that it would force you to go to a check cashing place where you'd have to pay several dollars to cash the check. Well, what they're not telling you is the people that own those check cashing places 
have, uh, you know, in some cases, a relationship back to the bank. Well, maybe oh, that's, maybe that's yeah. what we're talking about here with these homes. If the homes were placed into a conservatorship, and and honestly, when they were, you all heard about robo-signing and toxic paperwork and all of the issues that they had. Bo Biden, when he was the attorney general up in Delaware, he got 42 uh, attorneys generals together, and they sued um, because of the robo-signing and these other terrible things that had made all this paperwork toxic. Some of these homes can't be put back into the market because they've not sorted out who actually owns the home, where the paperwork's clear, who has clear deed of title, were these signatures correct. The banks were given um, fines, which they paid, that it's one of those typical things, yeah, we'll pay you $200 billion, but we refuse to say that we're responsible and, and, and this gets us off the hook for any future litigation or whatever. But in the meantime, they can't sell those homes, but if they're still in charge of those homes and they need to nail a $20 tarp off over a dormer, maybe it's their management company that they've created as a subsidiary to the bank like that check cashing company that is managing the kid that they pay $30 to mow the lawn every two weeks. But once they add their management fees and other overrides and this and that and what have you, what, what's that $30 lawn mowing costing us, the taxpayer, from this management company that might be in subsidiary group closely tied back to their golfing buddies at the bank? I don't know. This is just my opinion and speculation, but it makes you wonder why these homes sit vacant for year after year after year. And like that home around the corner there on our splash page, why is someone not living in that home, providing improvement and doing something better than nailing off a tarp and I've got another home in that uh, group. There's a video on my page of those 40 homes that I snapped a picture of back in June. One of those homes has tarps pulled across the entire roof. It took them more time, effort, and energy to pull those tarps across that entire roof than it would have taken a competent roofing crew to go in and do a tear-off and throw on a three-tab, 20-year, let's just bang it out and get it done. Mhm. Yeah, I think it took. To uh, th- yeah, I think it just took like three, four days to, because we had some hail damage on our roof. Uh, I think it only took like three, four days to tear it off, put down the fabric, uh, and then also, you know, and then put the roof on, <laughs> and you know, and, and all the accoutrements that come with it. But yeah, I think it only took three, four days for them to do that. Now, Cindy well, says, uh, no. And then we're going to bring it back to you, too, as well, Susan. Uh, but Cindy says that she designed her house on a piece of graph paper saying that 3D is overrated and that she laughs. Uh, but then she said, seriously, uh, she'd love to know how to use a computer uh, that well. Uh, she has tons of designs that are running through her brain, but uh, she's usually trying to go to sleep when she does that or 
actually, you know, usually when she's trying to sleep, it's when she thinks of all the signs. Uh, so that's some input from uh, Cindy. But go ahead, gentlemen, then we're going to bring Susan back in. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jim. Well, the the beautiful thing about the beautiful thing about this whole notion, as terrible as it is, as much question as there is about paperwork and toxic paperwork and all, you know, as Hero Trust, we don't ever plan to release those these homes. So we don't care if the paperwork's toxic. We would tell the bank, instead of spending $100,000 to try to figure out what all that paperwork is, looking backwards, just put all that paperwork in a box, put a big old, just box it up, tape it up, and we're never going to try to sell it. We're going to leave it as campus property for this nationwide campus of improvement. So just, you know, box it up. We'll provide favorable leases. We'll provide activities and improvement. And if you'll go to our website and look at the program, you'll recognize we have two really vital programs. The first is operation down payment. If you're the person who has this favorable lease that's going to be working to improve a property with this network of teachers and students, and now you can lease a property, and if you have skills and abilities, you yourself can be the teacher, and you and your family or your friends can be a student. Ultimately, the person who is leasing the property has absolute final say for whom they will invite into their home to participate in the same way that you have final say in who you hired to do that furnace, Robert. So no different. And as you're improving your home and paying that favorable lease and generating revenues to continually improve the home, you should be compensated for your efforts. Operation Down Payment provides a saving plan in the lease that allows you to take money out as a participant stipend, a tenant stipend, for all the training activity ongoing and then after a period of time, if you've improved the home, if you've been on time with your lease payments, provided adequate and proper care, let's say now you want to buy a home of your own. We have all of the mathematics and all of the program laid out where we will put a dollar figure on the improvement that you have caused during your tenure in that home, we'll put that dollar figure on it and give you half, 50%, which you can use as a down payment to go and, and, and buy a home of your own. Truth of the matter is you don't have to use it as a down payment. When you vacate a Hero Trust property and you qualify for operation down payment, that cash comes to you and you can use it any way you want. That's operation down payment. The second program we have is operation fair share. Here in Clarksville, we have a beautiful downtown, and it's loaded with all kinds of churches and beautiful buildings that are part of a public trust, none of which pay taxes. All of these homes are sitting 
in these towns and communities and not providing tax revenues to clear the snow, teach the kids, pick up the trash, do the things that home municipal taxes provide for. Operation Fair Share says, even though we are a nonprofit, public benefit charity, we will pay our fair share. Every single month, somebody is living, leasing, providing improvement in a property, we will pay the tax on that property, funded by the lease, funded by the people that are benefiting by having a home. Now, I've got a mayor in a very large city in a western state, close to you, Susan, who looked okay. at this program, looked at this program and, and he actually was state budget director for a period of time for his state, the state just south of you. And when he looked at this program and he saw that these homes could provide tax revenues from a non-public nonprofit, he just said that's unheard of. When the IRS phoned to congratulate me on a really disruptive plan, that was one of the things that they spoke about. You're laying out, starting out in your program, a plan to pay taxes voluntarily. And they says, we are the IRS. We have never heard of somebody who spoke up and said they were going to voluntarily pay taxes. That's why we call it Operation Fair Share. The people who live in these homes in our program are going to be sending their kids to school. They're going to be needing their roads cleared of snow. They're going to need the trash picked up. They're going to need the municipal services that those taxes pay for, and it's the right thing to do. Operation Fair Share. All of this information is at herotrust.org. All of the mathematics are clearly laid out so that you'll see what the percentages are, how homes are acquired is laid out. The original conservatorship of Fannie and Freddie and the original TARP that was passed, it was a $700 billion TARP, said... What we're going to do is we're going to stabilize the banks. We're going to take all these toxic mortgages, all of these bad bets that they bet against. We're going to relieve them from the banks so that the banks don't fail. You've heard they're too, you know, too big to fail. Um, banks too big to fail. And once they had these properties, the original plan was to take them and to aggregate these properties together and then distribute them out into the private sector at 40 cents on the dollar. When we wrote our plan, we took that marker that they established. When you look at our program, you will see we'll take that bet at 40 cents on the dollar we can provide a mortgage that's serviced by a favorable lease to get soldiers and veterans and teachers and nonprofit volunteers into these homes and their families and service the tax, service 
the improvements that are required to make good choices when a roof is leaking and needs to have something other than a tarp pulled over it. It's almost like that tarp's been pulled over our eyes and it's time somebody opened our eyes up to another possibility and that's our role. And we believe that we'll take that 40 cent bet, we'll go back to the original litigation, back to the original legislation that was passed and we'll start putting people into these homes and giving them an opportunity to know how good it feels at the end of the day to look back over your shoulder and see a new kitchen backsplash, a new landscape, a painted room, something that you've done that wasn't done with money that was printed by the Treasury on a borrowed note from... India or China, which is what we're doing now. I hope your listeners are aware of the fact that there was quantitative easing running at $65 billion, billion with a B, dollars every month. When you see the, this nation's debt clock spinning out of control, a very large bit of that is this like a five, this $5 trillion I mean, go to the website on our homepage is that video of Mel Watt, and he says with a very straight face sitting in that committee chamber, the American taxpayer is at risk for $5 trillion. That was November 14th of 2014. And it's amazing to me how these people can talk in those terms, talking in terms of trillions of dollars at risk and yes, yet, they talk and they talk and they talk and they talk and no solutions are found. We have spent many, I, I honestly will tell you that I've been 13 years with I and my co-founder building this, 13 years. And it occurs to me now, looking back, this is not something that could be created by anything other than basically one or two people of like mind working it out. You know, it looks like, unfortunately, uh, folks, that we have uh, lost Heath's line. I really want to uh, have some questions for him that I would, you know, as, as a person uh, of the military, I would have, you know, because I've heard from other military folks uh, about this upcoming election, and I want to, you know, you know, speak you know, at least some with him on that, um, and perhaps I'll also bring uh, some questions, uh, you know, regarding that to you because we are in an election cycle, and I think it's a, a very important one. It may even be, and I, I, I'm going to kick myself in the butt because every year, I, you know, every four years, I should say, you know, we hear from folks, you know, such as Sean Hannity, they're like, this is the most important election of our lifetime. You know, and I, and I used to always be like, yeah, 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 you say that every election cycle. But you actually might hear me saying it this election cycle um, because uh, I, I really do think it, it is, or maybe not, if it's not in our lifetime, then definitely, or at least in mine, uh, it's definitely a very important one. I, I would dare say even uh, more important than the Obama elections. And uh, maybe we'll explain that later. But uh, go ahead and just let, let you know, unfortunately, we were – uh, lost uh, Jim's line, 
on uh, Jim's uh, lost his life, but so hopefully we'll be able to uh, have him uh, call back in, uh, you know, another day. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, bring it back to you, Jim, and I do want to bring Kelly back in as well. And I do have uh, one more audio uh, to play, So, uh, but let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Jim. Go ahead. Well, I would be interested in what Kelly thinks and what Cindy thinks and Susan. Um, you know, I've talked a lot and thrown a lot on the table. Uh, you look at the website and you'll learn more, but I'm at, I'm at the point in this where I need input from good, smart people. So I would ask Kelly, okay, well, um, what do you think? Yeah, we'll bring in, we'll bring back Kelly and then Susan, but first, uh, as I said earlier, is uh, and Kelly, this might be an opportunity for us uh, to actually get an opportunity to meet. I don't know, I'll have to check the logistics of it, but uh, I was speaking with uh, one of the party chairpersons for the Constitution Party in Idaho, and I have uh, been considered to be a uh, moderator for their presidential debate uh, out there, and so you know all the. Things haven't been panned out yet. Uh, I don't know whether I'm going to be uh, able to do it or if, you know, I'll be one of the finalists of their moderators. Uh, but we're definitely, uh, I am definitely in the mix of being considered that. And as you know, we've uh, interviewed a lot of the candidates, including the presidential candidate for the uh, Constitution Party that was Virgil Goode uh, back in 2012. Uh, we've had uh, him on the show a couple times. And I did get the opportunity and honor to meet him, which I tell you what, salt of the earth guy. And so that's definitely a, a, something that's a possibility in February. So if I'm going to be in Idaho, uh, Kelly, and you're out there in Northern California, maybe that will give us the opportunity to uh, finally meet up. As I said, uh, I don't know all the details yet. Uh, but we will be having on the show, because uh, I did talk with uh, Floyd Whitney from the Idaho Constitution Party, uh, three of the presidential candidates for their primary, and they'll be getting scheduled on the show soon. And that is a Scott Copeland, uh, and also J.R. Myers and Patrick Anthony Ocklander, or uh, Ockander. And so uh, we'll be having them on the show. They haven't been booked yet, uh, but I did get confirmation uh, from uh, Mr. Whitney that they will be. Uh, they've already agreed to come onto the show for interviews. And so we'll, we'll be interviewing them on uh, the program. And then, as I said, I'll keep you posted on whether I'll be able to uh, make it out uh, to there. And I believe it's the end of February uh, for the debate. And uh, it's one of the questionnaires or, or moderators. So uh, I'll keep you posted on that. But let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Kelly, and then Susan, and then uh, we'll go from there. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, that's pretty exciting that you're going to be out in Idaho. I'm still like 16 hours away, depending on what part of of Idaho there is. Um, but that's yeah, yeah that's really good. But I think I think it'd be a great host for that kind of a purpose because um, you really, you know, the Democrats had their chance to the CNN thing, and it was more opinion of the moderator and um, oh, what's his name on Fox, Neil Cabuto, when he hosted the moderators, he he did a real subtle dig at their media football. He said. It's not about us in the media. It's about you. So, brilliant. It was so freaking cool. But anyway, um, let's see. More thoughts, more thoughts. Um, I'm trying to remember the host's name. Or, I'm sorry, the guest, the guest name tonight. Jim. Uh, Jim and Jim Shoes, Gymnasium, Jim Dandy. 
pretty easy. <laughs> Jim, I really like what you're doing. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, it's I locally here. Um, I'm I'm um, I go to the homeless committee. I help them, you know, engineer. Ooh, they wrote me in like, oh, hey, oh, we got an engineer. He'll design a house, or a, a big building for us for free, or you know, reduce costs. That's what my suspicion was. Why they wrote me into it. I got it. I really liked helping. Cool. And then I started hosting overnight. We started our second season here. I hosted two weeks ago, Friday night. Um, I'm hosting <laughs> at the homeless shelter a few times this week. It does something. It changes me for the better. And I have seen in, in the community here, the number of homeless people that we're having is just skyrocketing. It, it's just like, oh, my gosh. Um even the liberal folks next door, they they wanted to help uh, somebody, um, you know, give them a bus ride, give them some food. And like, but finally they're stepping up to the plate. But we have seen this. Um, I have multimillionaire real estate contacts, and they're telling me stories. Some of these stories are mind blowing. Um, when they found out that Tarp is going to come through, he they were working on this like thirty million dollar deal. This real estate novelist, he got a whole bunch of people they're going to buy. Oh gosh, was it twelve, twenty? You know, it's in the millions. Okay, they were buying a whole block of homes. They were selling foreclosed homes in blocks. It's like here, take the you. You want to buy this whole sheet of paper? Here's all the homes. Here's the price. Or do you want to buy this sheet of paper? You want? Oh, you want to buy four sheets of paper that are all these homes and deeds from foreclosure and stuff? Well, um, he was negotiating this huge deal, and he was all excited. They had spent about six weeks on this. And they were going to negotiate again and get it all worked out, ironed out, signed and dotted line. Well, then the TARP came in, TARP, you know. And the banks knew that once they were going to get TARP funded, they totally withdrew all the negotiations. In other words, we're going to get our money this way. Yeah. It was disgusting. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a greed, 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 greed. What's wrong with these people? And see, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Kelly. If I, I, I've been very fortunate in my career to build for a high-end clientele, which has allowed me to travel around the country and build nice projects in beautiful places. And when I go into a town, for instance, in 2007, I went to just south of Portland, Oregon, to build a a large project in a very restrictive municipality, um, very high-end, um, few doors down was Eric Clapton's manager, that type of thing, a private lake with a very limited number of lots. And I showed up there in Portland to do this project, and the neighbor came over and said, hi. They introduced themselves, and they said, so you're getting ready to do this place? And I said, yeah. And they said, well, we've got the house just down the road, and we've been two and a half years trying to get a plan put together, and we're still not able to get through the city to get this done. Wow. I was able, I was able to complete that entire project in 18 months. I had to do it with four separate building permits that ran simultaneous. One was a demo permit. One was on a guest house in the front. But it allowed me to to get through the process. 
and I did it like I always do. I went into the municipality where the powers that be reside, and I said, look, I'm here. I'm working for this client. I'm doing this project. You obviously have all the power and all the control, so you just tell me what you want to see, and I will design exactly what you want so I can go to work. You know, I love that attitude because I have learned when I first came here to Siskiyou County, we're on the Oregon border here in California. When I first came here, I was I can't stand the government and regulations and the flood regulations, and I was a little bit hostile. I've since won them all over because I was the one who changed. The county here is is stuck forcing it, uh, state law. State law says you shall do this, you shall enforce this. They're in a rock and a hard place. When I understood yeah. their position, and I started working with them, you know, just the other day I got another project. Um, Somebody delayed, 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 you know, and finally uh, when the, when they said, okay, I'll, I got this contractor and this engineer on board, the the, the uh, chief building official said, I am really glad. It's, you know, they like my work. We've got this relationship. And nice. I'll call them when they're out of line. I will. But I'll do yeah. it even still in a very gentle manner. And I find in gray areas, okay, even gray areas, they'll lean my way. Yeah. But when well, you respect people. their... And I can see why you've gone so far, even have the IRS on your side approving what you're doing, because there's a certain workability that above us, above us, there's a certain laws, laws, regulations, building code, yada, yada, and everybody's got to play by them. Instead of fighting them, you work with them, and you get an awful lot done. I got this permit done, and for two weeks, I got his permit for his restaurant before wow. we were fighting, kicking, scratching. And you have a special knack that I'm, I'm, I'm getting a glimpse of because I've experienced it, too. But for you to get the IRS to really prove what you're doing and others, you've got something special there. I really admire how you're doing this. Well, I've been, well, I have a certain um, higher power that I have to defer to that I believe is guiding my steps. And the Flip Hero logo, when you have a chance to look at the Flip Hero logo, it is a house upside down. In the red, a simple. Oh my gosh, that's brilliant! <laughs> and I will tell you that the same house is turned right side up in the black on a firm foundation, heroically. And the very center point, the focal point of our logo, is the point where that transformation takes place. And as I've been designing this and working with wonderful people like Heath and, and my co-founder, Roger True, and and my director's emeritus, Don Fabron, who you can read about in Roberts Ridge, and Jerome Arnold, who is an amazing friend um, here in Clarksville, as I've been putting these things together, I have focused each decision and each point on that center aspect of our logo where that transformation takes place in lives, in your heart, in your community. Susan, in that home across the street, Cindy, for this nonprofit that you ask about, there, Kelly, in the work that you're doing, Robert, in your show, when there is a transformation that takes place, 
we believe that it is love that makes that happen. You love yourself enough to eat well, to exercise, to do right. You love that home that you've just moved in enough to pay the lease on time, to exercise training activities and to do things well. You love your work enough to be respectful of the people that you're dealing with. That is the simplicity of our logo. Everything about this program happens in that focal center point of our logo where transformation happens. And that represents what this country needs. It represents what we need in our leadership. It represents what we need as an outcome in this election. We need that transformation to happen and to put this country and these homes and our hearts and this community back on a firm foundation, right side up, in the black, heroically. So, Kelly, what you're talking about, when they had these groups of homes on these papers and they had all this work to do and all these homes that they were going to get rich on and make money on, I will tell you when I go into a town like south of Portland and I don't know a soul and I'm about to do a multi-million dollar project, I don't know a roofer, I don't know an electrician, I don't know a plumber, I don't know a landscaper, I don't know a framing crew, I don't know concrete people, I don't know my suppliers and my vendors and all of the various people. And it starts with the codes and the examiners and the people that you work with at the mayor's office and all. You have to take it one step at a time. You have to be respectful. And fortunately, when it comes to the skilled trades, I've been doing this long enough to know pretty much in the first three or four sentences or how you care for your tools or when you get started, I can pretty much figure out whether you know what you're doing right out of the chute because I can do it myself because I've learned from very talented people who've been willing to teach me over the years. So these people that want to buy up blocks of these homes that require all of this work, from my experience, the greatest thing that they're going to be challenged by is finding the good electrician and the good plumber and the good painter and the good lance, the skilled people that are going to be able to help them be the resource to get it done. And so I that one of so, so so one of your main skills, which somehow you can read people extremely well, one of you, probably one of your best skills is picking good people. Well, you have to have good people, don't you? But see, if you don't, here's the thing. Forty years ago, Dale Sorensen, who was old, Dale Sorensen started building homes when they'd use a draw knife in the prairie and draw down and clear and, and hone and, and peg and stack and log cabins and build their own windows. And, you know, that's the guy I first learned from back in the early 70s when he was in the very last years of his life. And now here I am all these years later, that old guy. And you have to respect the need for learning. We have a shortage of talented framers, 
talented tile man, talented, skilled, home improvement people. A lot of people running around watching TV shows and think they know how to do stuff, but I'm here to tell you, if you're watching one of those DIY network flipping shows on TV and they're showing you, well, it's 8 o'clock in the morning and we haven't, we haven't started our hardwood floors yet and we're having an open house at noon, there's some creative editing going on because you're not doing a hardwood floor in three rooms and two halls and, and, and all between 8 o'clock and 12 o'clock and, and sanding and finishing and, and putting urethane and everything else that needs to happen. That's fantasy. But people watch those shows and they think they know. No, if you want to know how to do that with millions of homes sitting empty that need those things done, let's create a campus, nationwide campus of home improvement and let people be compensated through stipends for their efforts to actually go out and learn. And I believe what's going to happen is like he found that he had an aptitude for tile People are going to get in these homes and find out they have an aptitude for, like Cindy, with their design. Or Kelly, your abilities. People are going to find that they have knowledge, skills, and abilities and a natural aptitude for things that's going to create a whole new host of small business and talented people so that those folks that buy those sheets of homes are going to now have a durable network of support that they need to be successful. And that's good. That's what we want. Flip Hero, Hero Trust, has never, ever envisioned itself as a be-all, end-all. There's $5 trillion of risk if we were a one-tenth of 1% solution for a $5 trillion problem we'd be a $5 billion nonprofit. $5 billion is a lot of money to teach a lot of skills to help a lot of people. And that's our goal. We'll just approach it. We'll just do the best we can by having the public property ledger. But here's something the listeners really need to understand. We've never... We've received basically two donations ever. My co-founder, my partner, brings in about $450 a week. And for the last several years, I've been locked in a room building this program. And we've lived off of that money and paid for trademarks and service marks and domain names and websites and fees to get the IRS to give us our exemption and state filing fees and everything else. And the reason why we've never asked is because we weren't prepared to be transparent in the flow of money. But in the process, we've created a network where every single penny that flows through this organization will be transparent in real time. That will afford you, Susan, the ability to deposit that $50 across into that house across the street and instantly every 
penny of your charitable contribution that you can write off with your taxes is available to fund somebody to come and fix that fence or rehang that gutter or paint a room or do some other training activity, not in some general sort of sense, but at that house across the street where you put it. That doesn't exist in the nonprofit world, but we're creating that. And it's going to change things so that you have organizations that raise money for well-intended purposes. There was a nonprofit in Tennessee that raised $318 million for children's cancer. And they ended up finding out that they really hadn't spent but a million or two helping people and everything else was jets and cars and offices and family trips and this and that and whatever, and folks are going to be sitting in prison for a long time. I had somebody tell me, they, I ran into them and I told them, they said, well, Jim, what are you doing? I said, well, I've started a nonprofit. And they said, great, I had five of them once. We ran bingo games. He says, it was great business. He says, I had bingo five nights a week. Each nonprofit could only have it one night a week, so I started five of them. I was running the bingo hall. Man, we were raking in the money. And was saying this to my face with a straight face. And here I am, and my partner, living off of $450 a week, building this organization, not asking for any help because our goal is to make it transparent every And that's why the IRS phoned and said, we've never seen this before. Because our IRS forms are at our website. You can read through them. The narrative and the form and everything is there, along with an accounting for the money that we've taken in. I invested 280 hours helping a veteran and... uh, veteran's mother-in-law convert a laundry room into a ADA compliant shower and then I built them a laundry room and a half bath in their basement. 280 hours I worked by myself. They bought the materials and did some other things and turned out really beautiful, nice walk-in, just it was beautiful and changed their lives. And they, when the project was completed, gave us a generous donation of $500, and we were grateful to receive it. That was last year. I helped Keith do tremendous work at his home, and he was very kind to make a similar donation. Other than that, we've not received any donations, and it's not because people won't give. It's because we haven't asked. But when the donations start coming in, we will account for them as quickly as we can. And when everything's automated here soon, it will happen in real time. Every penny that flows through this organization is a public document. And that will allow us to do things like Susan, you can deposit $50 into that home that you want to make a charitable donation into that that young teacher just moved into that's been sitting vacant for years that you want to see brought back to life. 
And that's what we're going to do. That's what this country needs. There's enough greed. There's enough, enough. These, this political, you know, timing is perfect because this election, I agree with you, Robert. I don't hear, I don't think we've had an election quite like this one where people are willing to just, it's just, it's like D-Day almost. And I think that it's preparing people for somebody to have a different message, a message that is the absolute opposite of greed and power hungry. It's like our Flip Hero logo. I would equate all that greed that's what caused the house that is the country that we live in today to be upside down and in the red. And I'm going to focus on that center point of our logo where transformation happens and love this country enough to try to see it back on a firm foundation and in the black. And that's Hero Trust Flip Hero. Let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Susan, and then uh, if we have time, we'll we'll, uh, play the uh, second clip. Uh, Unfortunately, we only got about 20 minutes before I have to start closing things out. and then, so just as a program note, uh, well, two things. One, uh, Kelly had to uh, go, so uh, we thank Kelly for uh, coming in tonight. And then secondly, uh, we will be covering our analysis and discussion of the next GOP presidential debate. And so we'll be talking about that. And then uh, go ahead, Susan, and then I want to uh, ask from our guest here, Jim, uh, with the presidential election coming forth. Um, uh, do you think that you know, regarding who would end up becoming in the White House, if that would uh, affect your efforts and what you're trying to do uh, with Flip Hero? And so let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Susan. And then, uh, Jim, if you could answer that question, I appreciate it. Go ahead, Susan. Um, I'm wondering, I, I'm going to try and get hold of. Becky Huston and Becky and Michael, they have the TVOI news here in Idaho. And so if he wants to send me his email or phone number, I'll give it to them, see if they'd be interested in doing something on their news thing with it. Well, Susan, all of the information is there at the website. My email, my personal email is on the website, on the left column at the bottom of the page where it says email. That comes directly to me. All of our legal documents, everything that I've talked about, this entire program is right there as a public document. Um, They can also go to the IRS because I've hosted our IRS documents on our website. That's really um, just copying what's available through the IRS. Those are all public documents. I am excited, Susan, for you or Kelly or Cindy or anybody listening in to contact whomever you want. This needs to be, uh, we need your voice. We definitely need your help. Okay, well, they sometimes do interviews um, and sometimes they write articles. So, Great. I mean, I um, would be. And, oh, I'd love an excuse to come to Baltic. Oh, I, well, we'd love to have you too. You can, if you wear orange or blue, you'd really be popular. 
<laughs> to the Boise State Broncos. Oh no, I I I love Boise. I uh, I'm a Western guy. I'm from Utah. Oh, okay, all right. And actually, and and speaking of Boise, and uh, not you know, I'm I'm scheduled to uh, have a conversation with Floyd on Friday. We're just we're going to call and talk about uh, more information about the debate on Friday. But I was looking at some information he's already sent me. And indeed, the debate is going to be in Boise, Idaho. So I think uh, there's a library out there. I think that, that maybe that's a spot I'm going to look more over it when I have some time. Uh, but you know, as I said, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be one of the uh, finalists there for the, one of the media moderators uh, to be a questioner there. We'll uh, you know find out. Uh, probably get more information. Uh, this coming Friday when I talk to Floyd, uh, that would be exciting. And then, uh, of course, I'd have to check the uh, logistics of it, as I said. Um, but yeah, that would be that'd be uh, that'd be great because I'd have the opportunity to, uh, to meet you, Susan. And yeah, it let sounds me like know. Maybe well, Kelly. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'll, I'll find out from Floyd, and, and then I'll I'll check things out here, make sure that I can, uh, you know, get some time away to to be able to do that. But that would definitely be uh, that definitely be exciting. Uh, but I know, the, uh, but I do know for certain. Uh, but I do know for certain, probably starting in January, that I will be having their uh, presidential candidates uh, for their primary uh, on the show in January. So that and that may be all of the, our whole January might be interviewing them. Uh, we'll see, or perhaps uh, I'll have uh, multiple shows in January, uh, maybe two a week or something like that. And we'll just have to see how uh, things go. Um, but uh, real quick, I, I got the audio, and I like to play it. It's only about five minutes, um, and this is more on uh, Freddie and Fanny because I know that was part of our conversation tonight. Oh, they're horrible. You know that's they're okay. Um, uh, everybody uh, that has been listening today, sir, uh, understands that, that Fanny and Freddie are in conservatorship, and we, of course, understand that your organization is the, in fact, conservator. Now, I've also heard you say a couple times today, actually several t- several times, that one of the roles that you're playing in this role, if I'm not mistaken, <clears throat> is to be sure, to the best of your ability, that Fannie and Freddie uh, are safely and soundly managed, uh, such that we keep the credit flowing to those who want to uh, buy a home or are able to buy a home, and also to protect our hardworking taxpayers. Now, I'm going to be very honest with you, Mr. Watt. I have a little bit of a concern. If you look at Fannie, um, this is an organization that um, is uh, connected to our federal government, has been created by our federal government, that is responsible for $3.3 trillion of home mortgages, and they use our hardworking taxpayers to backstop those mortgages. I'm also concerned that uh, Freddie Mac uh, uh, is also putting the U.S. taxpayers on the hook for an additional $2.2 trillion. Now, my uh, my other point I'd like to make that is, if I'm not mistaken, in 2014, Fannie and Freddie together were responsible for, uh, uh, for holding 51% of all home mortgages in America. Uh, that being the case, sir, would you agree with me that Fannie and Freddie are large financial institutions? Absolutely, they are large financial institutions. Good. Um, Dodd-Frank, as I'm sure you know, uh, uh, Mr. Director, uh, requires non-government large financial institutions to hold substantial amounts of capital in reserve in the event that something goes wrong. Now, I am not here advocating that those capital requirements for non-government entities be increased. However, 
Don't you think it's appropriate, sir, that Fannie and Freddie, especially organizations of this size that are backstopped by the taxpayers, also ought to live by the same rules as that our non-government financial institutions when it comes to capital requirements? I don't know that that's my decision to make, uh, whether I agreed with it or not. Well, you're uh, the director. You know, I, I, when, when I testified in the Senate, I, I said to one in response to a question, I don't have any personal opinions anymore. Well, Every opinion I express very, now is, a, is an FHFA opinion, so I try not to express those personal opinions. Well, I appreciate that very much, Mr. Watt, but with all due respect, uh, you're in a position of a great authority, you're the regulator for the GSEs, and I would like to uh, uh, beg to differ with you a little bit that your opinion is greatly appreciated. And what I'm trying to get across, if I may, is that we have two very large institutions that do not abide by the same capital requirements as other non-government institutions around this country. I might also add, if I may, that if you're looking at Fannie Mae, with $3.3 trillion in assets, and this has been said here before, they have roughly $10 billion in assets, but they're asking the taxpayers to backstop $3.3 trillion in loans. Now, if you're looking at Freddie Mac, excuse me, you're looking at Freddie Mac, they have about $13 billion in assets, and they're backstopping $2.2 trillion. So I think we could both agree, I hope so, that these organizations are grossly undercapitalized and represent one heck of a risk to the taxpayers if something goes wrong. Would you agree with that, sir? I have two responses to it, um, um, one of which I've already given, which is um, I didn't set up the preferred stock purchase agreement. I, didn't, I wasn't even there when it was created, so um, I'm living under that. Uh, I can't change it without... Um, but the second response is you all you all can change that. Um, everything that you just talked about, you can change by doing uh, GSE reform. Mr. Mr. White, everybody wants a healthy economy. And the taxpayers in our district of Maine, who are some of the hardest working, most honest people you could ever meet, they want to make sure they have a government that works for them and not against them. And I happen to believe that accountability in all stages of government, all levels of government, are a good thing. And I'm very concerned about, uh, about these large uh, institutions that are highly leveraged with very little capital that's requiring the taxpayers to backstop them. When we have interest rates at historic lows, historic lows with a rise in interest rates that could cause a problem with the housing market and also our economy, wouldn't you agree that it makes sense to take a look at the institutions. Time of the gentleman has expired. A brief answer, please. I think I've already answered your question to the best of my ability to do it, uh, Representative. Thank you very much, sir. That was brief. No, and actually, he didn't say anything. <laughs> he didn't answer any of the questions. I don't think. You know. <laughs> that's kind of sad. But isn't I think it? that just illustrates again the run round that you were talking about earlier, Jim. Well, you had asked, Robert, about this coming election. Our organization requires the voice of people join with us and say there's a better way, a better solution, 
than pulling a $20 tarp over a dormer on a home, a, what is really a beautiful home, it just needs some love. And our organization is built on the premise of doing all the right things for all the right reasons. Operation down payment, operation fair share, home improvement, education, favorable leases, helping soldiers, active duty, veterans, homeless veterans outreach. You know, we've got millions of soldiers who have come out of these wars with post-traumatic stress, with traumatic brain injury. They've got psychological issues that you can't see shopping in the supermarket. But when they come together as a group, in the military, they're always task-specific. And our program is built on doing specific tasks. And you're rewarded for providing a favorable end result to a specific task. Our organization says this country has need for leadership that can define a desired end result and outline and organize each specific task, doing all the right things for all the right reasons to get us where we need to be. Now, that's like the Wizard of Oz. That's dancing through the lilies, expecting to have the wizard take us back to Kansas. Never going to happen. But our organization is built on that premise. And in the big scheme of things, we can't get back to Kansas, but in a very focused, specific way, we're going to ask leadership in our new Congress and our new president to create an end result, favorable end result, that allows this organization to capture some of these homes and get them in the hands of people who can benefit by them rather than leave them in the hands of those who would siphon off borrowed dollars that have eased into the treasury from China and India, putting us all at risk, and in the meantime, no solution. So my hope is to work through an organization in Washington called No Labels. No Labels has positioned itself to rise above partisanship and to have a forum with new leadership. And my focus in that forum will be housing these government agencies, this financial quagmire, these homes that are toxic, and try to put them back on a firm foundation in the black and make them available to people who can benefit from it. That's what we need in this country. We define that as leadership, and that's what we need. So I'm asking everybody who's listening, Susan, Kelly, if you're still listening, Cindy, I'm asking you 
to ask somebody you know to find out more about us, herotrust.org, and to spread the word. Everybody you tell can tell somebody, and maybe we can just have enough grassroots support that we get that desired end result that we're looking for. It's not a be-all, end-all, but if we can be a one-tenth of one percent solution, we'll be doing an amazing thing, and, and that's why we're here. It's definitely going to take a lot. I think, um, you know, and I understand about the, the bipartisanship and just with, uh, you know, the economy and, and things that are going to be uh, going towards, you know, the government and taxes and things of that nature. Um, my concern is this. If Hillary Clinton, for instance, uh, gets in the White House uh, where she wants to, uh, you know, expand everything Obama's done, um I just think that people are not going to have the money to be able to, you know, do any kind of donations or anything of that nature. I mean, things are already, you know, tight now for a lot of folks, uh, living paycheck to paycheck, things of that nature. And I just think things uh, will get worse under a Clinton administration. I mean, let's be honest, folks, she is going to be the Democrat uh, nominee. She is. Uh, And so I, I think that even more so than Obama, we, the American people, have something to be worried about, and I, you don't use that word worry lightly. Um, we definitely have something to, uh, to be worried about if Hillary Clinton gets uh, – I, I, mean, I, I mean, I even feel more strongly about that than I, than I did with Obama. Um, and so, you know, in 2012, you know – Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> what? There's a new dog in Go town. Ahead. Bernie Sanders is on the rise. Don't 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 count him out. Bernie Sanders will not be the the Democrat nominee. I'm sorry, oh, okay. Susan. He will not be. We'll he see. will not. He, he 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 will not be the Democrat nominee. I'm prepared All to right. work with whomever. I'm prepared to work with whomever is elected, and I will be successful in this effort only if I have a populist groundswell demanding that we might not be able to take care of these other things. My goodness, if we can't start at home, if we can't mow the backyard first, if we can't fix this problem, that is just so pervasive in cities and towns, on streets, all across this country. If we can't make a a little dent in it here, then I'm beyond worried, Robert. I mean, I am. I'm with you. I'm I'm worried about a lot of things. But if we can't fix this where a solution is so readily available, so smart, smart enough, in fact, that the IRS would phone and say, we think you've created something vital for this country. If we can't get people to rally around that, um, I mean, this is our moonshot. Don't kid yourself. Mm -hmm. When they're talking about $5 trillion in risk in the housing market, and that was a year ago, 
and they've started mm-hmm. doing subprime loans, and they've started doing a lot of the the schemes that created this problem. Um, I'll send you a wonderful link if you want to read um, about a lady who wrote about Enron and some of the other um, problems in the past, and she looks at Fannie and Freddie, and she says, I've never seen anything come even close to what could potentially happen here. Mm-hmm. If we can't make yeah, a certainly. simple thing. Yes, send the link. Yeah, send the link. I will. It's, now, you, um, I, I will copy it to you. It's in my LinkedIn downline. And I'll take this opportunity to invite everybody who visits the website to follow and like and share and do all that social media stuff that helps and to please spread the word. If you see something that you think could be made better, I am the most collaborative person in the world. Do I think it's perfect? Far from it. But it is um, in a really good place and it's a really good place to start. And I'm going to hope that I've got the support of folks to help us even move further towards that good end result. And politically speaking, um, you know, if we can't agree that these homes need to be lived in, mm-hmm. then we can't agree on anything. Well, definitely. And one of the things I like, uh, you know, you know, they say, you know, building houses and things of that nature, you know, what helps build the economy, uh, but also refurbishing the ones, uh, I, I believe will as well, as well as something that's uh, near and dear to me, it would definitely be more uh, environmental friendly because, you know, the, the resources that would not be used up, you know, with all the new yeah. buildings, uh, all, the, yeah. all the raw materials that you need, uh, you know, to start from scratch from the bottom up. Uh, instead of, you know, refurbishing and, you know, doing some additions to uh, a pre-existing uh, building. Well, the the what people don't understand is that the ability to deconstruct properly is as much a trade and art as the ability to construct to be able to repurpose and to be able to minimize what ends up in landfills. That's really an art. And there are people who specialize in that. There are people who have knowledge, skills, and abilities in in toxicity in old building materials, lead paint and asbestos lining in heat Mm -hmm. systems and on and on and on. You really need to be knowledgeable about a lot of things if your task is to tear something down. And my fear is that our leaders are going to end up in a situation so bad and so devoid of leadership that they're going to take the solution of that D9 cat, and a D9 cat is not a properly... Uh, not a proper way to deconstruct a home. So they can't even get that part right. So, that, you know. No, the government do... can't get much right, can it? <laughs> well, I, I used to not believe that when I was younger, but, you know, in my in my mid to, or my early to, to, to mid adulthood, that's it's certainly, uh, my opinion certainly has changed. Well, I'm, 
I have a few years, Robert, and I will tell you that I have been politically active my entire adult life, and I've been aware, and I read the papers, and um, I've had to alter my, I won't say political leaning, I've just had to mute my political voice because of now being a founder of a public nonprofit charitable mm-hmm. organization. So I Certainly. don't take a political stance because I'm legally bound not to, but I do right. take I a very, very strong stance against stupidity and lack of leadership. And I'll talk about that right in your face. And I don't care if the work cameras are rolling and I don't care if your if your position in Washington is at the top of the hill, if you're starting into that political, you know stupidity that's not getting that's got us where we are today, I may have to break out my uh, Beverly Hillbillies routine. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Uh, to be honest, I'm not that familiar with that. Well, the Beverly Hillbillies was a wonderful uh, um, movie. It was remade into a movie, and as they're driving into Beverly Hills, Granny's sitting back in the in, on the truck, and they're honking, and people are racing around them, and and Granny's giving everybody the the digit salute, saying, "You're number one too." And I'm here to tell you that if I'm in Washington and people start into the the kind of talk that you played on this show where they say I've given you an answer and what they're really saying is I'm not answering, I may have to break out the granny salute. And tell them no, we're, we're in Bard's Logic after dark. We're we're allowed to get a little, uh, you know, it's not it's it's after prime time now. So, <laughs> but uh, speaking of that, I do see that we only have about ten minutes left of the show. So that means they only got about two and a half minutes uh, to do closing uh, closing thoughts uh, for the for you two folks. Um, and so what we'll do is we'll give uh, Susan a couple minutes uh, to do her closing thoughts, and then yourself, Jim, and then I'll have to close things out. Go ahead, Susan. Uh, well, is Cindy still on listening or? And then Cindy, uh, did you say Cindy or? Yes. No, Cindy had to, uh, had to call it a night. She, she wasn't feeling well. Oh, too bad. I sent her a thing, uh, gargling salt water for her throat and some other information on honey and stuff to help it. And hopefully he'll, she'll see that. So, um, you know, I'm into the natural stuff. So, um, All right. Yeah, me too. Anyhow, just when I can. Pardon? I said, you yeah, too? me too. When okay. I can, go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, I just uh, I've enjoyed this. It's um, sorry that Kelly can say he, I always enjoy listening to him. He's a very smart guy and always approaches things different. Anyway. Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to getting articles and information on this, and then to passing them on. So well, um, yeah, no, 
No, no, yes, that's uh, the information, your, your email. Yeah, that, and that's fine. You can give the other guy whoever uh, who, uh, you want to. You always have a permission of that because I know you wouldn't give it to us. I mean, the president has my email. What the heck? <laughs> no, I'm sure he does. Email. I just got an email from him. <laughs> I got one, too, when he was giving the speech last year, inviting me to watch it. <laughs> and it was trying to the White House thing and your thing. I'm not yeah, like, when did I give him my, my email address? No way. Well, here's Susan. Here's, here's our choice. We can have, yeah, it had, the, it had the official thing. And uh, please pitch in what you can. He wants to. I look back on everything we have achieved together, and I'm like, what can we achieve except you're getting lots of signed petitions for <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, so, well, anyway, a lot of people don't get those things from him, but I seem to have signed enough stuff. I've caught his attention, unfortunately. Unfortunately. And speaking of unfortunately, I'm, I'm going to have to sign off and go ahead and, and bring it over to uh, Jim. And thank you very much, uh, Susan, uh, as always, for coming in. And definitely I uh, hope you two can, uh, you know, coordinate uh, or at least, you know, communicate then, you know, about your blog and, and go from there and go ahead, uh, Jim. Great. Well, Susan, thank you. It was really a pleasure to visit with you tonight and, and also you, Robert. And I just want to remind uh, listeners that all of the information contact to me personally is at herotrust.org. There are links there to our Twitter page, our Facebook page. We ask you to communicate there. Also, if you have a home improvement project and you're wanting information, you can post that through our Flip Hero U curriculum, which is through the Tumblr blog. And um, very excited for the opportunity for you to share this. Susan, I'd ask you to go on to YouTube and look up the Idaho Painter. Um, he has links oh, at yeah. this um, Go ahead and, and reach out to Chris through his Idaho Painter um, handle at Twitter and let him know that we spoke this evening and um, say hello to him. And uh, he's a wonderful resource right there in Boise. And uh, I look okay. forward to coming up and visiting our bit, our our program is set up that I don't come to Boise and build something. The people in Boise create their own chapter there. And the people in Boise manage what happens in Boise. This is locally managed, nonprofit, public benefit charity that focuses on home improvement education and we look at these homes simply as a campus of opportunity for people to learn and for our country to improve and be put right side up on a firm foundation back in black. And that's what we hope to do. So Susan and Cindy, Kelly, Robert, thank you so much. I've been very honored to be on this evening. Thank you again. Well, thank you very much. Okay, and uh, let's definitely get some updates. and. Uh, let's work together. And so definitely, folks, uh, come and join us next week uh, after listening to tonight's show. Uh, if you're listening to the show, well, whether live now or here on the podcast or archive, uh, just share the link with your folks. If you do have an email list that you share information uh, with people, uh, go ahead and put our link 
uh, to the email list that you have and share the show for them. So if they have any organizations or ideas that they would like to have on the show or any topics that they would like to have discussed, uh, they can join us here because Bard's Logic is the grassroots We the People show. And as we say here, it is not Robert's show per se, it is your show. And so with that, unfortunately, I'll have to uh, finish things off for tonight. Remember, we will be covering the GOP debate uh, next Wednesday. Uh, the debate is Tuesday, and we'll be doing our commentary and analysis uh, the following day. And so I want to uh, bid everyone good night, take care, and we will see, see you next week. And, of course, I will end tonight, as I do every night, uh, Wednesday night on the show, and that is by the song by Aubrey Ash. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. So take care, folks, and good night. Right. Night. Thank mm-hmm. you.